نشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله الوالي الكريم وصلى الله على أنبياء أجمعين والمسيح والمحسي والمجدد لمن مرسلين أما بعد Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that He is alone and has no part? And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes? All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend, and send salutations of Allah on all of His prophets and His apostles, and on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the God, and on the Mujaddid, the Reform, which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. The man of the hour, airing seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On WGAG Radio. Radio. Well, back. My name is Dr. Valen Christie. I've been a student of the Grand Master, Dr. Malachi York for 10 years. And in those 10 years, I've been exposed to nothing but undisputable truth. From the Nubian Islamic Hebrew, to the Ansar Allah community, to the Holy Tabernacle Ministry, to the ancient and mystical order of Malachi Zadok. I've been through all the schools of higher learning. And now, I'd like to introduce the man of our time, the Grand Master, Dr. Malachi Z. York. Thank you. 
make up the whole bit. Um, now the main thing is, um, we all haven't heard it, I think you should get it. Because if you really listen to what he's saying, and I think that was to me yesterday, right? No more to me, and I listened to it last night. If you really listen to what he's saying, he said, and I repeat, and this for him and his father, this is going on there, he said that Allah was created in triple darkness. Mm. Ain't nothing to worry about. That's better. He said, when you're outside at night, that's not darkness, that's the shadow. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 He said, that's an illusion, that's not real, that's the shadow. <laughs> the real darkness is inside the womb where people are conceived. If all that, he said on that page, if you're looking for a devil, stop looking outside there. You black people go look in a mirror, and there you'll see the devil. <laughs> That's not a direct statement of black devil. <laughs> there it is. I ain't finished. You get to take your hair. He also said on that tape, I mean at that lecture, he said that it's Muslims and Islam, and he said they might not want to be called Muhammadism, but they are Muhammadism. Uh, uh, <laughs> and he said Muslims, Christians, and Jews, give up those names. But that was divided and destroyed. He said, religion is destroyed. He said, the real religion of God is obedience. That's And that all of y'all are God. And then he proceeded to say, is it not written in the Lord? I said,
with the same bad information. The information has got to upgrade itself in order for you to upgrade the people. And no duality as a prophet will have a point, it made sense, and it lifted them for, to a certain level. Muhammad will ask Muhammad had a point, it made sense that day and time, and it lifted them for a certain amount of level. You know what I'm saying? Even Clarence 37 it. He got it now, don't you? Yeah. 37 he had it and he lifted him up. But now what? He was still talking the same stuff, so. Yeah. And it's obvious, because he didn't say that there's no racism, it ain't about people's color, it ain't about, he said, I'll die. He even said, get away from that God thing. And when he started explaining God, and I like to comment if you go and get the date, he didn't talk about Farah at all on Farah's birthday. Elijah Muhammad's son, Ishmael, Sinead's son, he did a Farah thing. Other ministers did it when they got there one by one. But he did. He did not give Barad no prize. Because I know he's smart enough to know he can't get around those books. He's going to have to answer a question and can't. And all the people sitting there had their books in the back of their mind. Not that everybody in there or his diet, but some of them were dying and eating that garbage. But the ones who were cute would sit there and they were listening with that with those two books in their mind. And two more coming out. create this hype to put back on that garb that you saw me put on in face and dress like me. Your mother had to wear that upright six-pointed song weapon when a cause of nature's arm was supposed to represent a certain phase of the moon. And that phase of the moon is supposed to be what they refer to as the new moon. This way. And they were differentiating their, their, their crescent and their star, you can tell you, that's my imagination is wrong, from that which no one to our read brought out, which was there, and they, and they could say, well, his representative years ago, his representative said and our representative knew. But they didn't have, back then, a moon like this. They didn't have that. That is not in your book, the upright person. I brought the upright person into existence before nature burned into existence. <laughs>
you had a point star. You can see it just as clear as day because whoever was on the camera might have been one of our followers. But he's getting right on his face. And you can see where they put the six points on it. Not five. That is not the symbol on your book. That is not the symbol on your pen your lesson. That is not your national, not your flag, not your pendant. That is known as our symbol. And everybody knows. You know why they know it? Because they never saw what they refer to as a Jewish star and a Muslim crescent. They never saw it before. The high-ranking Freemasons saw it, and they would approach you on the street and ask you, do you know what that means? Right. And you say, you? And walk on about your business, but they and no one else ever introduced the six-pointed star and upright crescent to Nubians until 1970 when I presented it to the world as a sign of the ever-living the living, the true and living God. And they look in the book, and they look like they say, this is similar to the true and living. Now leave the God out. But I wasn't taking a position until the time was right. And when I say true and living God, I mean, like the brother said, you can walk up to your God and talk to him. You can walk up to him and say, I got a question for you, God. They can't do it. They can't walk up to Quran, they can't walk up to Clarence, they can't walk up to none of them. You understand? And if I move on to the next life, then another God steps in place. No such thing like nobody coming after me because um, I'm so great, nobody can succeed me. That's not how it works with us. When one Pharaoh steps down, another Pharaoh comes in. That's all God means to Pharaoh. But when we make a declaration that we're God, what upsets you fools is you keep on taking our definition all the way from the hands of our community. I would tell y'all, stop judging my religion by your religion. Stop judging my interpretation by yours. We stop reading our book and think you know what we're talking about. Fool, instead of just asking me. We say, God, we ain't talking about your God. Your God is, you know, I said, it's a whim. <laughs> on the wall, they were God. When you look back in Egypt, you see the deity on the wall, they are God. That's the kind of God I am. That's the kind of God I'm looking at. And that's the kind of God y'all forgot your work. And that's what they want to make you think when they say that idol work. And don't even define the word idol. What is an idol? The word they use in Arabic is mithala, like. They don't even have a word for it. Mithala is the root of the word for idol. What is it? If you idolize somebody, then y'all going to master Prophet Muhammad and Elijah Muhammad are idols because y'all idolize them. You have big old picture on the wall, bigger than life. So if you take him out of proportion of life, if you made it one inch larger than him, then you have now taken an expanded God. So what's the problem? We don't have no problem with you calling on Elijah Muhammad God. We know he's God. We have a problem with you trying to make us worship a food. Something you cannot prove. Or, don't have, we don't have a problem respecting Clarence 37 or 17, whatever you want to call that. But we're not going to worship the dead. You don't worship the dead, you respect the dead. You honor the dead. And only those dead people that did something is entitled to respect and honor. Those that have it, they're buried with respect and honor, and everything about them is buried. But those who have done something and made a mark have affected our lives. 
We respect them. We respect the Mahdi. And always will. Our Mahdi. If y'all don't want to be your Mahdi, they need our Mahdi. We put them in our bag with the rest of our stuff. <laughs> y'all want some Zulama Akhtar Pakistani? That's your Mahdi. That's fine. Y'all want Master Brahma Muhammad call your Mahdi? That's your Mahdi. That's fine. Why we all can't have our own Mahdi? We all got our own shoes on. My foot ain't the same size as yours. <laughs> and as long as we don't stand toe to toe, if all we ain't got no problem, and we obviously y'all don't want to stand toe to toe with me on which Mahdi is right, but I wrote a whole book on how my Mahdi is a true Mahdi. I can see y'all. I had to write a book on yours, so you won't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's the bottom line. Is that we are God, and we're reflections of God, and we're an image of God, and we're the likeness of God. If that bothers you, then hey, you just have to live with your problems. Do things come and go. Get a cure, get the cavity dug out, get a shot, but do something, but don't interfere with me and don't try to get me because you can't explain to me or prove to me you got a toothache anyway. I know you got a toothache. By toothache, I mean I know you're stressed in what you're teaching because I can see it in your eyes. I can see the lack of confidence while I watch that thing. I don't watch their tape, but watch their mouth. I watch their tape, and while their mouth is moving, that sound is coming out, I want to see if they really accept what they're saying. They know what they're saying. And anytime anybody starts talking about God, they don't know what they're saying because they cannot prove it. If I talk about a car, I can prove it. If I talk about this hunk, I can prove it. If I talk about the compass in the square, the actual compass and the square, the actual hunk, the actual car, I can prove it or take you to one. And if I can't, I'll make one. Uh, those are the principles of being confident and being in truth and being right. But now when I start trying to convince you that you are wrong if you don't believe in some unseen God and give you a complex and try to make you feel guilty because you're the kind of person that says, I don't mind you look good feeling that way, but I just have a man that wants to know. That may, I'm a different kind of being, you can call me the devil, you can call me anything to make you feel comfortable because I want to know. I just want to know. Is there anything wrong with that now? You talk to me about Allah. Tell me about Allah. Can you explain this thing to me? Don't say God is real. Get all that. And the worst thing you can do is run over to the Quran. A book written by mortals, if not written by mortals, recorded by mortals. Stored in the subconscious or conscious mind of mortals and human beings who are all imperfect, like you said, a wobbling planet, a wobbling mind. Your mother ain't gonna go to the Quran and say, listen, the Quran says, Allah says. Of course! The Quran was written for people like you that want to use the word Allah. Of course the Quran is gonna back up Islam. You go to Jehovah's Witnesses, they do the same thing. They got a whole bunch of books that back up Jehovah's Witnesses jump. What about the universal truth? The universal truth would be the scripture name Allah and tell me the meaning of it. And your scholars can't even do that. El Elah or El Lahu or they don't even know what it means. You asked for the other day, some five percent. I believe in Allah. What does Allah mean? He said, huh? <laughs> the word, not, you know, not, the, not the attribute, the word itself. That being attributed to the being of course, the source, the person or whatever, or the box of cookies. Whatever it is you're calling Allah, what does the word first mean? They can't tell you. Muslims are this near Allah and say, what does Allah mean? The God. What happens if the Germans never created the word God or good? Then what would you say it means? The Turks, the French, the Dios, the Spanish? What would you say, man, that we need all these other languages? Drop everybody else's language, brother, and tell me what Allah means. Now what would happen is, 
if he could speak the Arabic language, he would start giving you a commentary of Allah. In Arabic. That's the only way you can explain Allah. Because Allah is an Arabic word. You can't explain Allah in Arabic word in English. You would be translating. The Bible says you'd be moving away, trans. You'd be going away from it. Trans is transitory. You'd be going away from it because you cannot capture the actual meaning. You follow? So now don't try to hold me in and make you think that a person don't believe in God and they're a devil. The brothers don't believe in God, brothers don't believe in the devil either. Don't understand that? They come together. Because you wouldn't even know there was a God unless there was a devil. Because there'd be no purpose for your God if there was no devil. So y'all need the devil as bad as y'all need your God. Because what would a religion be without the devil? What would be the purpose of Islam if there was no shaitan? What would be the purpose of Judaism if there was no hasatan? What would be the purpose of Christianity if there was no dragon? If I don't you ask the Muslims, do y'all need the devil? You better have the devil because if you don't, you have to close your mouth and stop Mecca. But the whole purpose of going to Mecca is to, I wouldn't be that. I mean, I'll say, come on, brother. Go say, come on, and everything you say. In your salon, you're praising the Shaitan. When you eat, you're praising the Shaitan. I don't want Shaitan to take my food. You know? Not only we, we don't say God is a whim, only God and the devil is a whim. That's a whim club. <laughs> And think you got a monopoly on the whole world got a big problem. Meaning, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity is nothing but one ideology on the planet. You don't know nothing about the depths of Hinduism, Buddhism, and Zoroastrianism, and a million other philosophies or doctrines or religions that don't have nothing to do with your concept of belief. You only sound powerful because you're in a country that was owned and ruled and lived on by a group of people called Washita or Tulip from the ancient Almanac who did not believe in that God and the Christian concept came over here with, uh, I mean people who are Portuguese brought the Christian doctrine over here and spread it there and then later on Judaism came over here and then later on, Islam came over here, but the indigenous people of this land, the natives of what they call Americans, didn't know nothing about your God. And got wrecked that the Almas was existing 900 years before Christ. Here, right on this land in America, 900 years before Christ, they're digging up heads right now in Mexico, called Anaximander. And there they find traces of a people that look just like you. Before the year 570, when Muhammad was born. Before Jesus was born. You understand that? We got a life and a culture that goes back way before that. We were called Moors by race, way before more was synonymous with Muslims. They were Moors before they were Muslims. They were called Morenos before Muhammad was even born. Or Moors, the French way, before Muhammad was born. If I'm saying somewhere along the line, Islam bit its way into Moors. And now you have 
bunch of people walk around saying, I'm a more scientist and raise their hand for this long. Don't realize that Islam is taking away from the greatness of being a Moor because Islam was born in Arabia among Hindus and Turks calling themselves Arabs. And there was no Middle East. Look at the map again and then say Middle East. I'll show Say it. No, I don't say the word. I mean, think about Middle East. Where is that? You do it. Go to a blackboard anywhere. And do this, make a comment, and put Middle East there, right? Ha! How can there be a Middle East? Because <laughs> <laughs> this is West, and this is East, and this is North, and this is South. How can this be the Middle East? <laughs> now, we know of a thing called the Far East. That's the Far East. This would be the Far West. This would be the Far North. And this would be as far south as you can go. As far west as you can go. As far east. But there is no such thing as a Middle East. There is no such thing as an Arab with natural roots. You will not trace Arabs to natural roots. You will trace the people back to a man called Jotan. Which will go back to Hebrew. But you will not find Arab as a race. The word automobile means automobile. And the word of it, I don't mean to roam about, to move. You know what I'm saying? They don't exist. There was no such thing as Saudi Arabia. That oil over there is ours. Our land extends from California to where? The Persian Gulf. There was no split. There was no red or green sea. That's a natural threat. The Atlantic Ocean did not exist. I showed all that back in the Norfolk. All those pieces fit right back in. Straight on down through South America. There's no such place as Puerto Rico. That just means that when they got there, he said, that's the richest port I've ever seen. So how now are you going to say that Puerto Ricans are poor people? And Puerto Ricans are minorities? And Puerto Ricans don't have nothing? And when you say Puerto Ricans, you're saying they're rich. Simon Amorite says, you Puerto Ricans, he's saying, you people from that rich port. That's right, that's right. You say, well, what happened to the riches? What happened to the people of the port? I say, what happened to They took it. Fake, fake Puerto Ricans. Vanguard, Barkett, took it. Took the image of the Moors. Because we had more in Morocco, more in Spain, more in France, more all across Europe. More was what they called you by race. That had nothing to do with being Nubian, had nothing to do with being Muslim or Hebrew. More described your race, more black. People from that black soil. Quran says it. Man was created from the dust of the ground. So every time they try to change the meaning of Nubian, and say, well, Aswan, from the word uh, Aswan, black, does not have to do with the people there. It has to do with the soil of that place. Well, fine, because the people in that place who walked in that place five point one billion years ago walked alongside of dinosaurs in that place and left their footprint in that soil. And if your doctrine meaning the Torah and the Quran and the New Testament right that man was shaped from the dust of the ground, then it was the black dirt of a swan and shaped the skin of the man anyway, so it's still 
world comes into man. You are more. The modern science temple is relating to it from a Islamic standpoint of view, from a Moroccan standpoint of view. Bring out a Moroccan flag, not a Moorish flag. You with me? The Moroccan flag is red with a green star of Solomon, the sacred seal of Solomon came into Morocco by way of France. That's where the word more, M-O-O-R, comes from. That's the French way, more. You don't know what they were called in their language. They're going to walk up to you and you're from the modern science temple of America whatever nickname you didn't add on and change into with your brother, and ask you to speak the language you spoke when you was a all-mask, or speak the language you spoke when you was a Wachita, or speak the language you spoke as a tune if you can. And Arabic is not that old. Arabic goes back again into biblical languages. Arabic again goes back into Genesis 10. And we know that that is two verses away, or two chapters away, from the Emirate East. Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 give you the Emirate East and then so what they call the most eloquent writing, the Gilgamesh epic, which covers the Norse flood, which is from the Bishop. And then you got on 7, 8, 9, 10, and then you start talking about Hebrew, Arabic, Aramic, Akkadian, and then you got to get into 11, you start talking about Chaldean, and not one to mention Arabic. But Arabic is a dialect of Ashur. You know, so you ought to get that back too. Fall, but that's a Jewish star on there. The six pointed star ain't no Jewish star. Someone lied to y'all. And you lied to yourself. Because you told me that David was a Muslim. You said Dawood in the Quran was a So now Dawood is a Muslim when you saw a brother from Ansar Allah with a six pointed star in presence on his hat. And that star is known as what? Morgan? The star of David said, why would you tell an answer? Why are you wearing a Jewish star? That was a confession that David was not Muslim. Plus, nowhere in the book of the Old Testament does David ever refer to himself as a Muslim. Now you say, well, Abraham nicknamed you Muslim. That's Quranic again. That, that came up between the year 610 and 631 was Muhammad died in 632. You cannot go to a new book and tell me about old things unless you tell me this book is an old book being retranslated. But you're not saying that about the Quran. You're saying it's a final revelation. Something revealed for the first time. When 99% of it is obviously not the first time here. Everything from prayer, walking, talking, eating, sacrificing, circumcision, and everything else was taken out the door. But because you claim and it wasn't, and if this is a revelation to Muhammad from cover to cover, and you put yourself in a bad way. Because you gotta then show me, not in the Quran, show me in the Tanakh, in the Torah, where Abraham calls himself a Muslim. Show me in the Torah where Moses calls himself a Muslim. And if you say, well, Shalom is the same as Salam, 
Then why did y'all create Salam and Shalom already existed? Shalom Alexa was good enough. And I saw many times like that. One second. But they didn't even notice. Let me try it again. What does Assalamu Alaikum mean? What does it mean? No, it doesn't. The word Alaikum means what? On. Alaikum means on you all. Alaikum is not through you, it's not in you, it's on you the way that Tarbush or that Tahir or that Emma is on your head. This is close, or this is simple. But it was tricky. Some demon got it and did it again. You understand? Yeah, yeah. If I say to you, Salam, peace, Alaikum, I'm saying peace on you. I'm not wishing you peace. I'm not saying peace to you. The peace is not seen, disgusted in your heart, just not in your body, not in your head. It's island. On the body. So when Muslims greet each other, it's a subtle trick. That's why I got Shalom out of it. Rahul Because I tell you, Assalamu Alaikum. The peace be on you. You don't need peace on you. You need to be in a peaceful state. Wa alaikum salam. And on you peace. Or ma salam. With you, peace. With, like, with mouth in Arabic. It's not with, like, in your character. That's anger. That's with, like, to accompany you somewhere. May peace walk beside you. Maybe that's why so many of y'all get hit by a car. Because so you get hit and the peace gets away. <laughs> From the renewal. How come we have not heard that in 1400 years? How come nobody in all Islam has stood up and said, you know, Assalamu alaikum does not really mean anything it's to help you. Just make peace be on you, on top of you. Like I put a glass on a other piece of table. I put a book on a desk out of my study. Is that real? And I put the print on the book, it would only be on a cover. So you could, if you say, and I Quran, the truth is on the Quran, you would not be saying the Quran has any truth. Alright, now if you read the Subhanallah again, the first couple of verses, you're going to see that Allah, 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 a feel on their heart, but they translated it in. Deception, hype. Everybody knew we were coming. Nobody knew when. Everybody knew this day and time was coming. They were calculating, and we were calculating. And we are the best calculators. <laughs> because we have worked it out. You know? So that is not no Moorish flag. That is a Moroccan flag. Unless the Moors they're talking about are Moors that fall under the government of Morocco after the 17th century when that flag got there. And when Dush Ali 
Ibang was teaching no Jua Ali. Jua Ali was not using a Moroccan flag. Because also, Marcus Moses Gaudi was also taught by Jua Ali. And Marcus Moses Gaudi introduced a red, black, and green, which was originally black, red, and green. The flag as found in the Sudan, the flag of the Mahdiyah, with a spear and a crescent. That was the flag, black, red, and green. And all of your revolutionists throughout America, by whatever group or sect, are popping up the Mahdi flag. And don't even know. They got all these, all these black marching, all these red, black, and green flags, all of this snapped off. The fair crescent which symbolized the warriors of the Hajjah Dollar tribe that came down from the north to defend Sudan from Lower Egypt, actually, because the Maxi was from the Hajjah Dollar of, of the Nile, a place. That was a place. So if I'm called John Malawi, that's a name after place. If I'm called Nubian, a name after place. But where am I by race? More. What is my nationality? More. If you want to be anything, you want to be an Afro American, be a Morris American, he said that's right, but they got to separate that dog on Islam from it. Because we go back before Islam. All the pharaohs were Moors. And if you go to Europe and you read in any of their books in Latin, you follow? And don't let them, we got to stop letting them call Morris brothers Latino, who's not speaking Latin. We got to get away from that too. Got another one in Roman trip. Like Nega and Negro, which I showed y'all in the Bible. The Greeks were calling us Negroes. If all that, the Romans were calling us Morenos. Jesus was called Morenos. You know that in most Latino families, because the mind has been a mess with the parents would tell them, don't be no lazy Morenos. <laughs> That's right, and you're telling me. They ain't no different your mother's day. No more hangouts and low like niggas. The same principle. But somewhere on the line they made more synonymous with low life. So we gotta reinstate that. But we gotta make it clear to the modern science temple, we are your brothers. But only as far as the truth.
نشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله والي الكريم وصلى الله على أنبياء أجمعين والمسيح والمحتي والمجدد لمن مرسلين Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that He is alone and has no partners? And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend. And send salutations of Allah on all of His prophets and His apostles and on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the God, and on the Mujahid, the Reformer, which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. You are now listening to The True Light with As-Sayyid al-Imam Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. Understanding that the cherubim of the negative angels and the seraphim of the positive angels and they are people who are spiritual descendants of these two natures, then why is it so hard for the people who feel that they are of the seraphim to dwell in the tabernacle? All of those people that are seraphim are magnetically attached to the community. Regardless of how far they travel or what they see or where they go, they have this desire to come into the tabernacle. Anyone who is at the door of the tabernacle is just listening like the Quran says there are angelic beings who listen at the door when the Holy Quran is being recited only to take those recitations out and pervert them many people whether they're black or white have become cherubim when they were seraphim by nature even the angel himself Azal and Lucifer was an angel of pure light he chose to go bad so black people can go bad so when you stall at the gate, Shaitan gets the best of you. He catches you when your consonance is down. He stands at the door, it says in Genesis, and waits for your consonance to drop. He waits at your weak point. He sends out slanders like he did to Job. He kept sending different men in his image to tell Job how the Lord has killed his family. And he kept saying, I alone have survived to tell you this. You've got to be careful because many people who have the essence of a seraphim, a seraphim are, are the pure archangels for those who want to know, and the cherubim are the wicked angels who fought against them before judgment. Many of them transform from angels of pure light into angels of fire and never even know it. Still say they're Muslims, still with the God, still say they're praying. That's another mistake a lot of pale Arabs tell people that shaitan doesn't pray. That's not true. Shaitan will pray and his evil servants will also pray and they will come in a masjid and pray next to you they will read with you the Quran they will try to guide you through the scriptures their way they'll not guide you on the Surah Al-Mustaqeem they'll not guide you to the covenant they'll guide you their way and they'll keep on telling you this is how it really is this is true Islam this is the real way because the majority of the educated Arabs accept it all those People who are educated in those different universities of Al-Islam are not the ones Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides. Those are the ones that professors and teachers of different schools of thought guide. 
It's a big difference. So the point I'm trying to make is a Sadafin knows where he belongs and goes there. His father, that's why he says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. When that spirit was restored to David, when he had his soul restored, he said, he restored my, my soul. Then he followed by leading me to the path of righteousness for his name's sake. You see that? And he also left by saying, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not I'll dwell outside with my opinions. And you better be very careful, especially you people in there who might be sincere, about those people who sit at the door of the community. They've been in, they absorb a certain amount, and they sit at the door and pretend they're here, and they're out teaching, dressed like us, pretend they're us, never have no intentions of being in here. They're more of the devil's children than they are of Ansar. They have came in and have turned back. The Quran refers to them as the Munafik. The Munafikan, or some people translate it as a hypocrite, or the real word is Munafik means a divider, a divider. He divides himself from the community in certain aspects and pretends he's in with us at other times. He says he's with us, he says he's like us, he says he believes in the teachings, he says he'll, he'll, he, uh, the Imam Isa is his leader, etc, etc, but he's not in. He says, because I don't like this, and I don't like that, and this doesn't go this way, and I heard this, and I heard that. That is not a seraphim, that is a cherubim in black skin. And he can be as confused about whether or not he is a fallen angel as you can be about whether or not you are a rising angel. Inside his body, there's turmoil or legions pulling him in different directions. That is the devil getting the best of him. Because the righteous come in. The righteous are looking at the signs of the time and they come in. They don't waste no time. They're looking at the world, the events of the world, they're looking at plagues and diseases and they take right in. You understand what I'm saying? If you want to read the Revelation and get a better understanding, the 19th chapter. And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Allahumma or Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and honor and power under the Lord, our Creator, which they say is God. For true and righteous are His judgments. For He has judged the great whore, which is Babylon, the city that you're in, which did corrupt the earth, the whole world, with her fornication, and has avenged the blood of his servants and her hands, meaning the prophets and the saints, that this harlot has destroyed, just to prevent the truth. And again, they, meaning the righteous inside heaven, who made it to heaven, which you read in the 23rd chapter, is referred to as the crystal city, said, Allahumma or Hallelujah and her smoke rose up forever and ever this is all a continuation of the book of Revelation chapter 18 about the smoke of Babylon and the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped Allah that sat on the throne saying Amen it's over meaning Hallelujah okay and a voice came out of the throne saying, Alhamdulillah, praise our Creator Allah, all ye his servants, and ye that bear him, taqwa, that's mustaqim, both small and great, be he a king or a servant. And I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as a voice of a mighty thunder saying 
Hallelujah. That was an applause to the righteous who endured to the end, who got the crown of life, who stayed in the tabernacle. We'll be saying, Hallelujah, that it's over. For the Lord, Allah, omnipotent, reigneth. His steps above all ye gods and the Messiah and all of your prophets. Now the whole boundless universe who is Rabbil Alameen, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is Malik al Yawmuddin. He now rules as omnipotent source over all. Now it says, let us be glad and rejoice. Remember Jesus said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Speaking about the people who will be slandered and persecuted and spoke out against false. He said, blessed are the persecuted. Remember that? Blessed were man shall revile thee and say, all manners of evil against thee falsely for my name's sake, because great is your reward in heaven. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, he said. You understand? So it's the people we're talking about on the inside that we have to worry about people reviling and saying all manners of evil against them. They have all kinds of stories about Jama'a and Sallallahu in the Islamic Hebrews. It tells us to rejoice and be exceedingly glad. And it follows up on that latter day in the, in the seventh uh, verse of the 19th chapter. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife has made herself ready. And throughout the scriptures, whenever they speak of the marriage of the Lamb, they say it's to the tabernacle of the Most High. They say that it comes down as prepared as a bride, which we'll read as we go on. It'll prove it. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed. That means you were given the right. That's why it says it was granted that you should wear your white. It was granted that you should be arrayed in fine linen. Many Christian preachers try to imply that this wearing of white is a symbol of your purity. No, it uses the word linen, which is a cloth, a white cloth. That John the Baptist and all the righteous have known for centuries to wear. And now if you go and look to Mecca, you see all Muslims come from different parts of the world wearing all kinds of flowery colors and stupid costumes. But when they get around Beit Haram in Mecca, around the Kaaba, Allah Ta'ala tells them, be like Nabi Ibrahim al-Hanifan and wear that white, that simple white. But all throughout the Quran it tells us to be like Nabi Ibrahim. But they feel they can wear any color when they're outside of Mecca. No, Allah Ta'ala tells us by high, by the pilgrimage, by the hajj, that we should be wearing white at all times. And that's a sign of our purity, but it's also the garment of the righteous. Clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. That means we are living in the image and following in the sunnah of all of those prophets who was up until Rasulullah alayhi salatu wasalam, Muhammad, who was Khatim Anbiya, the seal of all of those prophets. Number nine, and he said unto me, write, speaking to John of course, write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, these are the true sayings of Allah. And I fell at his feet to worship him. John, when he heard this, wanted to fall down and prostrate himself at the feet of the angel, who was Mikael, the one who walks him through the books of Revelation, to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou, do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren, that have the testimony of Isa. I am one of your brethren, 
But Jesus said, I send this angel in, in Revelation chapter 1 to signify my word. You see. And he's telling him, I'm also a testimony because you're speaking in the reign of Jesus' time where John, where the kalima would be completed with the word becoming flesh as Jesus, not as Muhammad at that time. So they would say, La ilaha illallah, Isa Rasulullah. The way we after Muhammad came say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. So that's why he claimed testimony to Jesus at this point because Muhammad had not yet come. And he was speaking about the future world. Worship Allah though. He made sure he put after testimony of Jesus. Worship who? Worship Allah. For the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. So the testimony of Jesus is merely a spirit of prophecy. But your worship is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only. He alone has no partners. And I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were flames of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with the vestures dipped in blood. And his name is called Kalim Allah, the word of Allah. In the Holy Quran they teach us that Jesus was called Kalim Allah also. He was still had the word of Allah with him. Alright? And the armies which were in heaven, notice to that, followed him upon the white horse, clothed in linen, white and clean. Now this is talking about after the thousand year rebellion, when the 144,000 had been taken up to the crystal city, there to be groomed by the Messiah. Isa and Maryam, who even in Al-Islam we acknowledge, or you acknowledge, would return. You follow? Now the devil had been locked up for a thousand years and let loose on the world. Like he does in the book of Job. He let loose on the world the total temptation of all humanity. And at this point, those who had been in heaven for a thousand years, those first resurrectionists, are being ready to come back to wage war against the devil. I feel sorry for you people who don't make the first resurrection. Because when the devil is let loose from the pit on earth, he's going to rain havoc that you've never felt before. And his day is approaching. 15. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he could smite the nation. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treated the winepress. So what are we speaking about? He's talking about the judgment that the Messiah and the 144,000 is going to pass upon the world and upon Satan. He's going to judge people by the tongue out of his mouth. The two-edged sword out of his mouth is to cut up lies like a serpent, a sting. He's going to come forth with truth. The two edge are backed up by the languages of prophecy. The speaking in tongues and in translation. 
to make things clear in language. This is the problem we have as teaching al-Islam here in America and trying to resurrect people is they say we, we spend too much time on the words. It's the meaning of words that makes the scriptures clear because they called him the word. So you got to start with the words, the written word, and through that there you can make things clear. Instead he's going to judge and rule by a rod of iron. There's going to be a lot of suffering because they use that same reason, that rod, to calculate the number of the beast and to calculate those who are in the tabernacle from those who have given themselves over to become Gentiles. The wine press is mentioned as being as high as the bridle of a horse in Revelation, which is three feet from the ground, where it says blood will run through the streets at the height of a bridle. The horse's bridle stands three feet from the ground. The fourth is the wrath of the Almighty Allah. These 144,000 will come forth with the power of Allah to sting the world. And he has on his vesture and on his thighs the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And the reason why they refer to Isa and Maryam as King of Kings and Lord of Lords is because David himself was a Messiah, which is clearly mentioned in Psalms chapter 2. Every time you see the word anointed in the Bible, the word anointed means Messiah, Messiah, or Mesha, or Misha, depending on whether it's Arabic, Aramic, or Hebrew. But they'll translate Messiah into the word anointed when they don't want to mislead people into the truth by accident. <laughs> but they make you think that anointed is one word and Messiah is the next. Any biblical or Bible dictionary, you look up the word Messiah, they'll translate it anointed. So they had to point out that this final Messiah here was King of Kings. His judgment is greater than the book of the Kings. Because they had prophets who wrote the book called the Book of Kings. And David taught out of that stuff in the Psalms of Solomon. And they were saying that this one is the King of Kings. Because he comes with grace. Grace is nirmah, or forgiveness. And the Lord of Lords, he's over every rabbi that have ever existed. He's the master of all the rabbis. He no longer falls under Cohen. He no longer falls under Levitical law, because he was not a Levite. So they had to establish that he was higher than all of them. Okay? And I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of the heavens come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great Lord or the great creator why did this happen because if we go back to the books of the prophet Noah and how he was summoned before the judgment of the world of his time to gather all the animals together. Here we're speaking about the judgment again. And remember the first time the world was going to be judged, it was judged by water. But this time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, it shall be judged by fire. So he called the birds to bear witness. Number 18, that ye may eat of the flesh of the king and the flesh of the captain and the flesh of the mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them 
and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. Of course, the next question comes up, what is he talking about? About eating the flesh. Do you people have a Quran in there? If you do, turn your Quran to Surah Al-Fil, which is the Surah of the Elephant. Will someone read it? Okay, this is the 105th Surah of the Quran. It has been the Bismillah of Allah, Rahman, Rahim, in the name of Allah, and Heal, and Merciful. Hast thou not seen how the Lord dealt with the people of the elephants? Pause. The people of the elephants were Abraha and them who came through Ethiopia, from, through Yemen, through Ethiopia, to try to take the Kaaba, because they knew of the birth of the Prophet Muhammad, alayhi salatu wa And Allah Ta'ala protected the Kaaba this way. He came forth with elephants riding to, to conquer and stomp all the people around the Kaaba and put their guards and their idols there. But Allah protected the Kaaba this way. Go ahead. Okay, second verse. Did he not manifest their scheming to destroy the Kaaba? Was given an error, the grave error? And consequently on them he sent airborne flocks, throwing hot stones from Sijil. By throwing the stones from Sijil, he made their flesh raw, like kernels of quickly consumed corn and chewed hay. That's it. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alam Darakeif of Allah Rabuka be a Sabi feel. Alam Yajal Keda whom Pitot Neil. War Asala Alehim Tyrin Abahil. Termihim Bihijaratin Min Sidjil. Fajalahum Gosim Makul. If you make note that Tyrin in the third verse again, could you read it? Consequently, consequently, on them he sends airborne flocks. Thayrim, or the birds. He used, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used the birds. This, by the way, is where Alfred Hitchcock got his picture concept. He used the birds to attack these people who came out against the Mecca while he was against the followers of Rasulullah alayhi salatu This is how he protected them. And he will protect the 144,000 again when he calls the birds. I just want you to see that a lot of biblical quotes match directly to the Quranic meaning. If they just read the Quran, they'd see what they meant. If you ask the average Christian preacher what this is talking about, they wouldn't even know. Ezekiel 38:18 also will speak about it. 19. Again. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth. And their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. So now the beast, the devil himself, had got his armies together and they are preparing to war against El Messiah and the 144,000. Notice that this is a replica of that story in the Quran, Surah Tufil, when those horsemen on elephants came to make war against Mecca where Rasulullah Muhammad would be born and fell. Number 20 And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet not prophets 
a false prophet because there will be a flatterer who's going to come in the name of the Messiah and deceive the world, Daniel teaches. A false Christ who's going to rise up and fool the whole world. We call him Messiah as the Jal in Islam. Many Muslims are going to drop their deen and follow this false prophet that worked miracles before him. And this false prophet will have the power to perform miracles. Many times people ask me concerning Christian preachers and how do they heal. The devil has the power to heal. The devil was an angel. If I, you can heal in the name of Jesus Christ and be wrong. You can heal in the name of Buddhism and be wrong. With which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. His miracles and his falseness as a false Christ is how he's going to deceive people and give them the mark. Now in Al-Islam, Rasulullah Muhammad alayhi wasalam, throughout the hadith, they keep making mention of, you know, the followers of Masih al-Dijala because they'll have a kafir on their forehead, the letter K. Now, what they have misinterpreted is that they have people looking for a letter K when it doesn't mean that. The letter K is symbolic of the kafir. And when you look at people who are living in the image of the beast, and if you look at the Arab world today, and if you look at the president of Egypt, no beard, no tagir, suit, tie, he's dressed like any other Britishman. And the same thing would be Syria, Jordan, Morocco and even Saudi Arabia and up until recently even the Sudan. These people are living in the image of the beast. Therefore when you see them, you see a K, you see a Kafir. They have the mark of the beast on them. The whole Muslim world is making a transition from following the Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad living the way he had prescribed for us to live dressing the way he dressed, eating the way he ate, praying the way he prayed, and doing things the way he did it. Now we are following the hadith of men from different parts of the world who are altering them to suit their culture. Now there's Muslims dressing like Pakistanians and like Afghanistanians and some Arabs come here and they dress like Americans, put on little silly hats and plaid shirts and and go to college here in NYU and give up total Sunnah and then call themselves Sunnis and look at an Ansar and say we're not Muslim. What a joke. It tells you that you can expect to see them with the mark of the beast. And when one of them walks up to you in Arab, I don't care how, what country he's from, he walks up to you, the first thing you ask him, are you a Muslim? Ask him, is he a Muslim? And if he says, yeah, I'm a Muslim, I'm from Egypt, then that don't make you a Muslim. <laughs> Following the way of the Prophet Muhammad, he left two things for you, Quran or Sunnatul. Following his way is what makes you a Muslim. And if I look at you from head to toe and I don't see you dressed in the likes of him, then you're not a Muslim. I don't care what white Arabs told you, how much flattery they give you, so that they can make friends with Christians and Jews after Allah tells us not to. Christians and Jews don't even understand their own doctrine. They're fighting each other. Holy Quran, chapter 2, verse 114 tells you that. They don't even know what they're talking about. They're fighting and they both have the same scripture. Or they're disputing about Abraham and their books came after him. 
yet the Muslim world is trying to emulate all these kings are trying to act like and live like the American world. An average Muslim, you see, if he calls himself a Muslim and he's not in a Sunnah, say you're not a Muslim yet. Say you may be trying to become a Muslim. And I don't care if you're born in Sudan, or born in Egypt, or born in Morocco, or born in Saudi. If you're not just in the Sunnah, and you haven't found your way to the Sunnah of Rasulullah, don't tell me you're a Sunni. Because you're a hypocrite. And then, that worship, his image. Our people now worship his image. Our women straighten their hair and put them in blue contacts. Stop trying to live in his image and put back on your garb of righteousness. And all you people who slid out of your jelly beards and slid back into American clothes and flag caps and checkered shirts, slide right back into the path of righteousness. Because judgment is near. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone, which is another word for sulfur. The 16th Revelation 13 chapter would also support that. And the remnant was slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowl were filled with their flesh. 1517 in Revelation will back it up, and 18, as well as 1716 in Revelation will back it up. Those that are left over after the devil and the false prophet is cast in a fire and brimstone, then the 144,000 will destroy you themselves. You will be destroyed also. Those who are the remnant will be slain. You'll be destroyed. When we destroy you, we'll be with the tongue of our mouth. The way the Ansar Allah community is coming forth now into the world, and we put everybody on the spot, and we question everybody's teachings, and we make them question their leaders, and their leaders can't answer, so all they do is they don't believe those people. <laughs> but you cannot stop the truth of the Ansar Allah community. And that's what they know. All of Sunni Muslims and the Shiites and all the different groups and the Bilalians and the Black and anybody that hates our community, they can talk about everything about our morality, about the moral conduct. They can create all kinds of stories on I heard this and I heard this. I heard he has all these millions of wives and all these millions. They can create all that everything. And you say, forget the man. Okay, he don't count. What about the truth? Let me ask you some questions about the Quran or about the scripture. It can't go. That's what you judge by. Let's read on. Now we move on to number 20. And I saw an angel come down, this is Mikhail, from heaven, having a key of the bottomless pit and great chains in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan and bound him a thousand years Revelation 12, 9 who will give you another description of Satan now Mikael comes down after this after a thousand year period after this rage war he grabs a hold of Satan the false prophet remember is already gone now Satan himself is left what does he do with him? he's going to bound him up again and bounds him a thousand years and gathers him into the bottomless pit 
and shut him up and set the seal upon you. You see that ring on your finger? It has a six-pointed star and crescent. That ring you wear on your finger with the six-pointed star and crescent is the seal that can bound the devil. You can't get around him. How many of y'all who wear that ring have had a devil walk up to you and say, Do you know what that means? Have you know it? Bear witness. White man will see that ring on your finger and say, Excuse me, can I see that symbol a minute? And his face will fall apart. He'll go, What does that mean? Is that, is that Islam? Is that Judaism? Who, what are you? You say, I'm an Islamic Hebrew. He goes, A what? An Islamic Hebrew. I follow the religion of Abraham. He says, It's not possible. You can't be an Islamic and be a Hebrew. They say, You're right. You can. I can. I am the nation that Father Abraham was talking about. You knew I was coming. You knew I'd come like a thief in the night. You didn't think we were going to tell you you was here. While Honorable Elijah Muhammad was preaching, and while Noah Jalali was preaching, and while Sheikh Dawah was preaching, and while the Sunni Muslim and Ahmadiyya was preaching, we wasn't preaching, we were building. We came like a thief in the night. He just looked around and we were here. When we looked around, the rest of them, they said, I just looked around and they were gone. <laughs> he just looked around and we're here and now he has to contend with this new thing the doctrine is unstoppable he knew it but that seal you better get your seal and keep it on because it's your protection against him don't let nobody fool you
man is not promising you jack with a hurricane on its way into Georgia in two days. And he ain't telling you nothing. He said, Puerto Rico got hit, the islands and the Caribbean got hit, and guess what they call it? What's that little creature with this, who's got the color like this here? What's his name? Bonnie. <laughs> hurricane coming. It's called Hurricane Bonnie. Now what are they trying to do that to kids for? <laughs> now Bonnie comes through and tears up the house and kids are going to be taking up. It's much like, it's like, like your uncles and fathers go hunting for deer on Christmas Eve. And while the child is waiting for the reindeer to come, they might walk into the garage where the uncles and pops have gutted the deer. They open the door, they open the door and they see Rudolph hanging up there with his guts hanging outside. Trauma for the kids messed up for life because of that. They can't do nothing about the phenomena of nature. Meanwhile, while you have to ask yourself, why would they waste their time messing with the Nuwabians, as they like to call it, Nuwabians? Why would they be messing with the Nuwabians at this close proximity to destruction? I mean, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going for the, oh boy, he's a doomsday preacher. You don't have to believe, you don't, <laughs> I do not care if you don't believe this stuff getting ready. I don't care if you don't believe the meteorites are coming. Your government knows it. <laughs> you know what? This week they had on the news that they uh, figured out a way to regrow the bones. And they figured out a way to reanimate tissue. Now, no, that's on the news. We have, you know, we, 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 we stay in there. Did anybody, did anybody hear about it? Well, we did. Check it, go on your computer. Or people of, of African descent, keloid, is because there was a time where we were able to re our limbs as gods. They thought I was crazy. And that nigga is nuts. Anywhere in the world, but you have their arm cut off and it regrow. Well, now the scientists are saying they can regrow limbs. They can, your, your bone can be cut off here, and they have a way now where that bone will go back and that flesh can grow back. Well, they grew an ear on a rat, and y'all saw that on television. Well, of course, they can grow your finger back. What does that mean? It means one thing, that the scientific community is being exposed to things they never was exposed to before. Whole new science. Carson is ready to have an operation to repair his ear. He may be in line for a remarkable new technology being developed here at the University of Massachusetts. A technology that won't just fashion him an ear from existing tissue, but one that through tissue engineering will actually grow him a new one. This is an example of growing an ear in the shape of a human ear on a rabbit ear. So it's actually an ear grown on an ear. That's just one of the wonders Dr. Charles Vacanti of the UMass Medical Center has created. His most memorable to date is this now famous mouse with a human-shaped ear growing on its back. The ear was made from cow cartilage, which grows much more easily than human tissue. But Vacanti has since been able to grow ears made of human cartilage in mice. I think we're very, very close. I suspect probably less than two years, probably within a year, of doing the same thing in a human. For example, if this was Carson's ear, we would first make a mold of his ear. To engineer tissue, Vacanti first molds a biodegradable scaffold in the shape of the body part, 
then covers it with the appropriate cells. As the cells grow, the scaffold melts away, leaving what just a few years ago would have seemed impossible. As a medical advance, I suspect that tissue engineering will be as significant as antibiotics. It's not just ears McCutty is creating, but other structures like a windpipe and hard to repair bone. He's also found a way to make nerve cells divide and grow, a potential treatment for brain and spinal cord injuries. Other scientists are growing organ tissue, and Bacanti foresees a day when injured or ill people will have replacement parts grown for them. For example, you have liver failure. Instead of having to wait until a donor liver is available, I believe you'll be able to engineer a liver of your own cells. Grow your own liver. Grow your own liver. Something else we mentioned, they recently mentioned, I don't know if y'all know, I hope y'all did. They talked about children, and the father's only 10% of the child now, and the mother's 90%. What? Do you know that? Well, yeah. See, here's what happened. And this is going to get into your doctrine in a way where if you really get into it, you go, oh, man. If you don't know the doctrine, this might not catch you. The, um... Woman, the woman's body, mitochondria DNA, which predates man by a thousand years, when woman was God. Woman's body has a defense mechanism in it. Do we agree? Yes. Like a man's body. No, somebody's there. Well, if you take alien blood from anybody, I'll make it clear, and inject it into a woman, in six to eight weeks, her blood will overthrow that alien blood. You know, that's why they have to be very careful with transfusions that they get people who have the same type of blood because your body will reject it. Now, transplanting organs has proven that to be a fact, that if they give you someone else's heart, the problem is always what? Rejection. Why does it reject it? Because your body has a built-in mechanism for it to defend itself against alien properties of all kinds. And even in the blood, ask anybody about blood. If you inject blood, if you have to, if you have to get a transfusion, your body will overthrow that blood in six to eight weeks, or that blood, or it will eventually kill you. If they add, add a liver to your liver, they have a certain amount of cells. They must keep your body constantly uh, filled up with what they call it. No, anti what? I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get simple, but it's the way we use, um, not antibiotics, uh, it goes, you have a, a body that attacks everything, your immune system, thank you. They got to keep inject, injecting you with serums to keep your immune system extremely high. They right now say that if you have cancer and you have a very high immune system, then you can of course take radiation, chemotherapy, but if you don't, it'll kill you. That's understood. Well, that's because it's alien to the body. You with me so far? All right. So now, once you establish the immune system and keeping the immune system, so therefore any alien organs would be able to survive for a period of time, but they have not succeeded yet with any transplants. Right here in your lower abdomen. This is an intriguing thought to patients suffering from kidney failure, like Kate Sullivan. Faced with a lifetime of dialysis, she recently had to ask someone close to her to make a difficult decision. My sister and I are super close, and I couldn't think of anybody else that would go through the kind of surgery that it is. I mean, it's not, it's not simple, and there's a lot of pain involved and a lot of healing. 
And I don't think you can just ask anybody to do that. As soon as I found out that she needed a kidney and that a living related donor would be the best one, I said that she could have mine. The transplant was a success. And a few months later, Kate was in excellent health and well on her way to a full recovery. But Kate must still take 29 pills every day to stop her body from rejecting her sister's kidney. A kidney from her clone would be a perfect match. If I needed a kidney and I could get one from a clone, I would definitely do it. Because the most important thing would be that you wouldn't have to take the anti-rejection medicine. Because I see what my sister's gone through and I think that's the hardest thing about the kidney operation is that she has to take so much medication. And since Kate's new kidney may only last for 10 to 20 years, she may have to go through the transplant process again. At that time, human cloning may be an option. It has always been rejected. No one has succeeded. If they extended the period of time, you know, but it doesn't last ever. Eventually, the alien's uh, organ dies. All right, so then, if a man and a woman are together, sexually, that is, when a man releases semen into the woman, it's what? It's alien to her. What is the first thing her body thinks to do? To attack. But they found out, scientists, that there's a certain part of the brain that triggers and it releases a serum that creates a egg inside the womb of the mother. It's an egg or a bag, a pouch. You follow that? And the baby or the fetal is in this bag. And it's kept in a lubricant lubricant of water that is producing the hormone so that it is actually fighting against her invading the baby and killing it. When the, when, the, when the brain does not trigger this properly, you hear me? And it doesn't send enough of these defense mechanisms, there's a miscarriage. Right? If too many of these things get in the bloodstream and into the baby, when the baby is born, within six to eight weeks, there's cradle death. It still attacks the baby. They'll tell you they don't know what cradle death is, because they don't know. <laughs> but it's a scientific fact. So now, what actually happens is, the baby in the womb of the human female as a mammal is living in a sack of water. Has anybody here been raised on a farm? Good. Well, I mean, you see a hen laying egg, right? Does it come out hard or soft? A lot, of, a lot of city folk might not know that. When a, no, not trying to be funny, they don't. Uh, when a hen lays an egg, it's soft. You follow? And then when it hits the air, it begins to harden. The same thing happens with the placenta of the woman. When they first remove it from the woman, it's soft. And just in a couple of minutes, it starts to harden up, the clots. Where am I reaching at? I'm reaching at the fact that Women have an egg inside of them. Did they really give birth to an egg? But unlike the, the chickadee, it cracks the shell on the outside of the body. You call it my water breaking. And the egg breaks inside and the baby comes forth. And sometimes they'll say the egg collapsed and put a thin veil over the baby's face and uh, 
let's say the medieval doctors who didn't quite understand what that meant said that baby was born with a seventh veil. Had a, had a veil over his face. That's a mystical baby. He's going to be psychic or clairvoyant or something. And that passed all the way down to grandma saying seventh kid, seventh kid of a seventh kid has a seventh veil on his face. All that was was the shell of the egg collapsing. Got your attention, don't I? Well, science is very interesting. I've always told y'all for years, study science. Because once you master science, religion looks funny. You know what I mean? It looks real cute, but it's a nice, it's a nice institution. People need it. People need it. It keeps them out of trouble. But it has nothing to do with this. What are we saying here? We're saying that human beings are a form of mammal that has an egg inside, and the baby is developed in a liquid substance, so thus the baby is breathing with gills and does not inherit its lungs until it comes and sometimes in the hospital, they have to pump water out of the baby's lungs. Showing that the, just like the, the movie, uh, the, what's it called? Yeah. The abyss, that the lungs were full of water until it... So there's a transformation or a metamorphosis from a sea creature with, with gills to a land creature with lungs within that period. You follow? The frightening part about it is that when we go back to religious doctrine, especially Western world religious doctrine and Middle Eastern religious doctrine, such as Islam and Christianity, we get this character called the devil who becomes a serpent. A snake. Now, of course, in our doctrine, we've always had a problem with a talking snake in the garden. So it didn't ever sit with us that a snake was holding a conversation with Eve. Didn't make sense to us. And that was our way of, of asking them to explain it. We understood he was a Drago. We understood Drago and Dragon is in the Bible as Tainini. We understood that. Right? But they didn't. So it was more fun to say, we're talking about, you know, how a snake could talk who they're calling the devil in Genesis chapter 3, who travels all the way to Revelations as a dragon. But this being called the devil was identified with a serpent. When they say Leviathan, again, if they give it, you look it up in the Bible, they say oh, a big sea creature. Tainim, a walking dragon, right on the temples of Babylon, they used to have the drawings of a snake with legs. All right. Then scientists admitted that the original snake had hips. We've shown that in our books. If the original snake had hip bones, then it had legs. Then, like the Bible was, now on your belly shell you go, unless the scientists do that before and wrote that after, on your belly shell you go and days of your life became, oh, so the snake once walked around on four with a snake body and dropped down. Well, that's the Komodo dragon. That's why a whole bunch of kids are attracted to having um, lizards and, what's the other one they have in the houses? Iguanas, and they're attracted to this creature while people wrap snakes around them and keep snakes and stuff as pets and feed their snake chickens.
little chickadees like it's okay and watch them consume it. There's some, there's some uh, parental <laughs> tie to the lizard and the monkey to make the man. The monkey being uh, the uh, mammal that uses its lungs and the le lizard being the uh, repti reptilian that uses its gills and lays eggs. Now, some reptilians lay eggs on land, some reptilians lay eggs in sea, and some reptilians keep the eggs inside their body and deliver them just like a human being does after the fetal has reached its growth stage. You hear me? What is coming into reality is that when we go back to ancient Tamara, the original name of uh, Egypt, and we look into our own ancestors, when they speak about the birth of the world, they speak about the primordial egg. Remember that? Western world stole it and called it the goose that laid the golden egg. And the goose that laid the golden egg is the goose that lays the sun, because the sun has always been a symbol of your gold. And they also stole it and came up with the stork that delivers the baby. Now let's combine the two. The goose that lays the golden egg and the stork that delivers the baby says that children are coming from a bird. We have three powerful birds in ancient Tamara. The falcon, the hawk, and the buzzard. Those are the three most powerful birds. The reason why they call them the most powerful birds is because Ra, Amun, and Horus all shared symbols throughout the writings and hieroglyphics where they, they were at one or other times depicted as one of those birds, all of the birds. The wise bird, of course, was the owl. But what separated the owl from the other three birds is that he's the only bird with his eyes in the front of his face like a human. No other bird on the planet has his eyes in the front of his face, and he's also a nocturnal hunter like humans. Hear what? Well, see, humans see better in the dark than they do in the light. And this is why when they walk into a dark room for the first couple of minutes, they can't see. And after a few seconds, things start coming to shape and form. We really see better in the dark than we do in the light, but we've been told cut on the light to see our way around. Because the people who govern us and create the laws don't see well in the dark. So they got to lighten everything up. You hear me? But way back then, they said that Ra, the sun deity, came from noon. Noon, the Muslims even stole it and put it in the Quran as an initial letter, noon. And they said noon represents the what? The well that Jonah was in. It's also in the Hebraic teachings too. Noon, the well that Jonah was in. You see that? Man inside of a fish or man in fish. Now the definition given in ancient Tamara for the man and the fish or the human reptilian was a papi or papa. What is that? Father. That's the Pope. He wears a fish-shaped hat and identifies with an ancient Babylonian deity called Dagon. 
which identifies with an ancient Malian fleet of gods that came from heaven, and the tribe is called the Dogon, and the beings that came to them were called the Namus, and they were supposed to, according to Dogon writings, hear me? Roam at night only and go into the sea during the day. So they live in the sea. Well, then we go to Sudan and we find that they say beneath the Nile there are beings that live there, Denaire. You understand? And these, they say, in their traditions, these beings come out at night to teach human beings and stay in the water by day. It's like at night you instinctively say, it's night time, I'm going to go to bed, I must take a bath and get into water. You get up in the morning and say, well, I'm going to face the world, I got to go take a, boy, my skin is dry, I must moisture it, otherwise what will happen? My scales will start to show. We call it rashiness and ashiness. But what we're really saying is, if I don't keep the outer surface of my skin moist, I will dehydrate and scale off and can scrape off dead skin like any other reptilian. Oh yeah. Certain human beings, jaw bones are constructed where their front teeth and their bottom teeth don't touch. Their back two teeth connect. Oh, a lot of people. They are round. You, okay. She says, she, 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 she's on. I got them. They don't touch. They have a round, you know, their mouth is round. You ever see that? Because most other mammals and stuff chew their good. So they constantly chew their food over and over with their back teeth, swallow it into one stomach or the other, and then regurgitate it again and chew it again, like cows and stuff called chewing their good. You see, but certain, for some reason, certain of us human beings, if we all come in one strain, certain of us have the mouth of a fish. We have this obsession that it is romantic to make love near the water on the beach. It is natural to go into the water to bathe before we make love. You follow? We drink water all day, otherwise we will be Doctors say, you better keep taking in liquids. If you took a fish and put it in a container, the only way you can keep that fish alive, if you don't put it back in water, is to do what? Keep on putting, keep it wet. You all hear me? So in our ancient days, in ancient, in our time, ancient, I don't know what to do with y'all. Back in ancient Egypt, in ancient Sumeria, they say the same thing. A fish man came out of the Tigris Euphrates and taught the Sumerians. Now the An Anutu, Anutu is the name they have before they get to Gi or Ki. When they get to Gi or Ki, Anutu changes into Anunnaki. And that's Anu, Na, and Gi or Ki. Or one of the names for the planet Earth. Ancient Egyptian or Tamara name for the planet Earth was Tanin. Tanin. Tanin is in your Bible 
where they have serpents. Not in Genesis chapter 3, they purposely selected another word, Nakash. And they uh, selected that word Nakash because it means divination in Hebrew or to whisper. And of course, the Muslims who steal everything from the Jews brought it over into the Quran and simply nice and call it Khanash. Nakash, Khanash. And in the Quran, it's still written up as the whispering devil. You hear me? So we have a tie-in to people coming out the water and teaching us whether it was in Mali at the Dogon, which also would cover Senegal and Morocco and uh, Mediterranean, all the Moorish places because all that was one at one time. Then we have El Bor. Ahor, which is where Arabia and all that area was, and they have in their writings that fish people, people who have, humans have fish in some form of fashion, came out and taught them. And then we go into Egypt, and we have the primordial egg coming up out, floating along the sea, and coming out of the water was Ra, right? And from Ra, of course, Atum. Uh, gave birth to, to that rock principle, and we have those three moods of the of the ray, because it's really the ray, not Ra. And those three moods of the ray was Atum, Atun, and Amun. And Atun was also referred to as simply Tun. He was Tun in the morning, and he was he was I'm sorry, Atun in the morning and Tun in the evening, where apparently, or as they say, the sun sets, where set, or the setting of the sun comes in, where they travel the darkness through the shadow and come back around again each morning for the sun to come back, but still, it meant going beneath the sea. They didn't look at the sun in ancient Egypt as going beneath the land, they saw it as going beneath the sea, and they would go down in the morning at the sea and they wait for the sun to come over. And they say, God walked the water up to them. This was the ancient sun worship custom. And what they were looking at is, the sun apparently to come over the horizon, and as it traveled the water, they stood on the, on the dry land, near the beach in the morning, their hands raised up, and they watched it, and they watched it come up, and they did this with it until the sun bathed them in the warmth and the vitality and, and, and they knew that that was a rays that would grow their food and they gave thanks at that moment. That was Babylonian, Egyptian, African, Mayan, Aztecian, Eskimo, everybody except the Christian. And of course, the Christian regurgitated and gave birth to Muslims. Which means they took portions of Christianity and Judaism and fabricated their own religion. Alright, called Islam. But even it is based on the sun. And Christianity is based on the sun. It's just that they made the sun a man and called him. The Egyptians made the sun, Ray, a man and called him Amun. So he became Amun Ray. 
Lord Jesus Christ. The Hindus did the same thing. The Dogon did the same thing. They all prayed to the sun. You follow? And the sun is the most deadly thing that a reptilian can get caught in. Because the sun will... So, it was hell to get caught in the sun. So, they created from the Greek word Helios, from where the Egyptians, or the Greeks called the Egyptian city Heliopolis, Helios, hell. And told that people, one time, no one thought hell was down. They thought hell was up. They thought as you go toward the sun, or that the sun was coming down to earth to burn everybody. That's in the Bible. Coming down to earth to burn you up. In fact, they say in the Bible, the Lord will no longer destroy the world by water, but more by fire. They're thinking of the fire burning the whole world up. being that would be afraid of the sun would be being that are afraid of dehydration or the people who could not dive back into the water away from the sun until it passes its three stages and only people that understood sun worship and Atum, Atun and Amun would know the stages you see so Christianity set it up where to look like they know, they worship on Sunday. You see? And they put a halo or halo, Helios, a ring of gold around Christ's head, which is the iris of the God's way of Egypt, a circular. And so the Greeks knew his name was Asaru, so they called him Osiris. And put the big O there, because if you look in any science book under the symbol of the sun, you get a big cipher for O. Yeah, that? And Lu meant primitive. Lu cipher meant primitive cipher. Yeah. Lucifer became a primitive cipher 
or the bright morning star, which is the sun. So Christ was called the early morning star, and then in Isaiah, Lucifer is called the bright morning star, both representing the sun disk. You hear me? So there is a relationship between mortals here, men, women, and reptilians. That's why, if you hold up your hand and look at it, it's yours, you can do it. <laughs> Stretch your fingers as far as you can apart, and now turn over and look back, and look between here, and you'll see you once had webs. You may not like the way it looks. But if you have skin that must stay moist, if you have the ability to reanimate limbs, you understand? If you have webs and scales and, and need water, and then we'll take a hen's egg and eat it soft scrambled. Or write out the egg, mix it up for vitality. Do you know that snakes hunt down other snake eggs and turtle eggs? They swallow them and then they spit out the shell. So when you're having that sunny side egg and your wife say, that's slimy looking, why are you eating that? That slimy egg that you're eating is an identification with your reptilian nature. That obsession with swimming pools and beaches and, and salt water, the moment you jump into salt water, you, it goes right into your head and clears it up. So man, I had a cold before I died in here. All of dust and mucus that was in the air just went out through that in, salt, in, a, in, a, in a salt water. Why? Why are you so comfortable in salt water? Why, you, why is it, now listen, if I took salt and threw it in your face, what would happen? What would it do to your eyes? So how come you can open your eyes in the salt water in the beach? And the salt that you get is from the salt water in the beach. Why is it that once you get back under the water, your body readjusts immediately and your nerves in your eyes do not, pick, do not pick up the salt as something that's attacking it, but you're able to... You ever do this? Why is it? Because you'll have the ability to readapt to your original environment. Because if you went right, if me and you went to the beach right now and dived under the water, we could open our eyes. If I went right to the house and got a sea salt and threw it in your eyes, you'd have a fit. <laughs> so what happens is, when you're standing on dry land, your, your, your body calibrates where you are and adjusts itself for where you are. And when you dive in the water, the moment it hits the water, your body has to recalibrate itself and adjust it to where you are. You follow? Just that quick. So there are reptilians, like the alligator and the crocodile, who can come out of the water and stay on dry land for a while, longer than they should. And then, while breathing air, go back in, especially hippopotamus, which is why hippopotamus is the highest god in Egypt, then go back in under the water and breathe underwater, hippopotamus. Or the Link to you, which I'm going towards, the whale, which they also proved was on land before it got into the water. 
Salat Islam, and your ancestor, the dolphin, who transported your seed here to this planet to be, to be germinated and grown here. <coughs> Dolphins are your ancestors. That is, you have a relationship to the dolphin. You know? <laughs> you can go to SeaWorld and Disney World and watch a whole bunch of Tamils going, tree, 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 tree. the dolphin won't come nowhere near them. You walk over there and make one sound like a dolphin and they'll come look, look up at you and look to see if you know. And if you don't know, they'll just go in about their business. <laughs> if they see you know, they'll stick their head up, jump at them, and they'll go back and work. So much for your relationship to the reptilians or the sea creatures. Let's get back, let's get into other subjects, please. Unless that you got hooked and you want to say. <laughs> well, you better dance. Here's the question. Miss that part about the human being born 90% of the child, he, the part he said he missed, 90% of a child between a male and a female is the female. Because all of the, the components to make up the child is coming from her. The man is in distress. The semen is in distress from the moment it gets in the body because the woman's natural antibodies are going after it to destroy it because there's something alien until his brain... Right. Because the baby takes from her um, immune system to right. protect themselves against, you know... The baby, to protect yourself, yeah. that the, that the baby has to go, has to trigger something in the brain. So it, otherwise the mother will kill the baby. This extends out of the womb and it's called postpartum, where women can flicker and beat their baby to death with a spoon or throw it out the window or put it in the oven and they do all kinds of things and the doctors have written that off as a, you know, a mental defect, you know, it's, but, but, but accept it, yes. Well, um, at least, uh, well, it's all after the six months, at least. After the six months, you should stop having such relationships and care more about training your body and exercising and preparing to um, yield a basketball <laughs> as opposed to, you know, stimulate, you know, for pleasure. You know, because your body, your body does have to be prepared for that. But if, if during that period of time, the man ejaculates the woman, semen ain't going anywhere anyway. Cause Everything closed up. Huh? It's dangerous for the woman already being pregnant and, and having that, that just inside the womb. Is it a bad thing to have the, um, the sperm being injected into a woman being injected if you know what, um, attack it anyway? No, I'm saying because the brain is now, since she became pregnant, the brain produced the serum to protect it so it won't, it won't, it won't, it won't give any harm at all. Brother Welkin. Uh, what happened is, dolphins are beings from the Cirrus star, Cyrus, they call it, Cyrus star, <coughs> and the Neptuno, which is the Egyptian name for the Anunnaki, used them to put the seed of human beings in the dolphin. 
in order to transport it from one place to the other. They do that now in laboratories. They'll take the egg of one animal and inject it into another animal in order to fly it from one laboratory to the other side and then take it out and then inseminate it inside to inside of an egg for development. When they were bringing the, uh, let's say, the fish man from Cyrus, which was a, a predominantly water planet, to Earth, they did it in a sea creature called a dolphin, which is much, much, is a little different than he looks today. He's also evolutionary. And then injected it here in the, in the, in the monkey, right? Because you have two different seeds there. You have the gibbon, which goes into the, to the chimpanzee, and you have the other one who went to the, the baboon and the jackal. Um, from the, the baboon, I don't want to go that far. I want to go to the baboon and the orangutan, which is the Caucasian side of the monkey. And then you have the gibbon, which, which is the working thumb. That's why we have more coordination than they do. You know, we're, we're much more agile than them. Because the monkey that's in our genes is called a gibbon, and he has working, his hand works, he can grasp things. Whereas the orangutan can't grasp nothing unless he holds it like this. He doesn't have a working thumb, his thumb is too far down. This is why there are a lot of Tamil who, you notice, you look at their toes, their toes are extremely long. And sometimes the first three, the, the first toe is real short, the next two, three is like all three the same size. Their hand structures are a lot different now, and they literally, understand the racist statement, this is fact, and they literally move different than we do, bodily-wise. They don't know how we move the way we do, how agile or colorful as they their term for it is. But they use those scientists, those gods, those Netaru, those Anutu, the Namus, use the dolphin to transport the gene to Earth from Cirrus and then the laboratories, Shimti on Mars, which they found the laboratories on Mars in a place called Sidonia, and they're trying to cover it up, cause, but it's too late. Everybody knows the truth now. There's life on Mars, and that's, and they have now, then they transported it here to Earth. And they use these other biological entities, or some biological, some of them are mechanical, which called graves, which they made from mammals on this planet. And they like made a Frankenstein, the whole concept of the Frankenstein movie that they show you is when the Anunnaki were making graves. And they used these graves to go into environments that they, who will have the same anatomy like you, and their planet, Sirius, had the same type of atmosphere as yours, which is another name for risk, right? They used, they, they had to use beings that could go into other planets like Mars, where they couldn't survive on that, and then those beings went there and built spheres. We discussed this the other day. They'll call it, uh, they'll say that planet Earth has, is a biosphere, and it's not a biosphere, because bio means two. And sphere is any specific place where life or matter exists. So we have the ability to live under the ground. We have the ability to live in water. We have the ability to live in air within the Earth's atmosphere. And then we have the ability to live now with space stations outside. So we don't have a biosphere, we have a quadrosphere. And if they come and create a dome structure and move people in it, now we got to what? It's going into a, what's a fifth? A quick, a quick, now it becomes a quicksosphere. But they'll say we have a biosphere. We're living in 
several different atmospheres on the planet Earth at the same time and several different life forms are living together in each of these spheres but only one or two of them are capable of living beneath water in a space station like if I fly from here to um, let's say Asia I may spend 17 hours in a plane if I'm there as long as I stay in any environment more than eight hours I've altered the, the natural course of things which means I should spend eight hours sleeping eight hours eating and eight hours digesting and dissipating that's the three eighths that make up the 24 hours in a human being if I spend 17 hours in the air I get jet lag, my body has to go through change, I have to readjust, I have to be recalibrated when I get my feet on the ground. It's the same thing if you go swimming and you mess around in water too long, when you get on the ground, you, the, when you get back on the ground, your body feels real strange. That strange feeling is your body you know, touching the ground, dealing with levity, gravity, density, moist, and it's recalibrating itself. And then a couple of minutes after that, you feel normal again. You understand? You're okay now? and never explained it. And oftentimes, uh, when once the messenger was on, and Farrakhan wasn't really close enough to him to have gotten the true message from the messenger, because he wasn't really under him. If I now ministers to test him, will put him on the stop spot and ask him, what does Triple Dawkins know he don't know? Whereas Warren B. Muhammad, his son, did know what Triple Dawkins meant. But now that he has shifted doctrines from Nation of Islam, Islam, to Sunni Muslim Islam, he's not saying, you know, what about, so what they're talking about in the womb of the woman being triple darkness is they're talking about when the sperm and the ovum come together, nobody sees it. When the eggs are being produced in the ovum, nobody sees it. If all that, and when the baby is finished making this total tumble in the womb and starts this journey outward, nobody sees it. So these three, these three major stages are all done in darkness. And that's what they were alluding to in the nation of Islam as triple darkness. Go ahead. You spoke about the law earlier. Would it be good for a Milwaukee to get a legal education outside of Georgia and both in another state like Alabama? Definitely. I mean, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what or who is telling anybody whatever they are. I encourage all the Wapians to get an education and to get the best education we can get for what we need. What's sad is the day and time we're in. That's the, that's the frightening part. We're at such, we're so near 
That's a lot of noise, right? <laughs> Sorry, a motorcycle club. We're so near to these calamities that not me, not me, uh, Amanubi Rockefeller is telling you all about who's predicting. Not me, but scientists, astronomers are telling people about meteorite showers coming and a large meteorite and, and people are acting like there's nothing going on. They're telling about the ice caps melting. They're telling about the warming, uh, global warming and the greenhouse effect. And then they're even telling them about the computer crash in 17, 16 months. And the people are acting like nothing's going to happen. Well, what's going to happen is if they don't, uh, uh, are not able to change the number system in the computer between now and 16 months, all the electricity is going to shut down. The pumps are going to shut down. The hospitals are going to shut down. Everything that works by computers. The planes will have to stop flying. That means the diseases are going to get rampant. And what they're doing also because of the heart project, I don't want to keep you out there too long, right? Because of the heart project, as I mentioned last week, they are now altering the climate to make this a tropical environment so that they can culture more bacteria. Because they have already figured out, and, and there's a scientist, and I've, I've emailed it, I hope you all can confirm it, scientists from South Africa who admitted that they had put together teams of scientists who were studying the human body for black people only and what level bacteria attack us where it don't attack them and that they had succeeded in making certain types of bacteria to go into foods that we like. And in the, in the article in the internet, they actually list the kind of foods and they know that we like. And if, this, and if these bacteria have been put in there and it's already inside our body. It may sound crazy, but ghosts, because I know one time you don't believe me, check it out. Go ask them. Go look at the computer. They are revealing right now about these diseases that are already in Miami your body. The reason why we don't know it is because we're all sick. We're all having this metal taste in our mouth. We're all having this nasal drip. We're all getting these repeated headaches all the time. This happens to everybody. We're getting this time where we just don't want to eat the food that we like. We're getting these flashes of nausea. And then a woman says, I think I'm pregnant. Find out she ain't pregnant. Well, they've already put the bacteria in the air. Not just in the water. They know the food you like. They know the restaurants you frequent. They know your style. They gave it to your kids in school. They gave it to your relatives in the hospital. They gave it to your brothers and sisters in the military. We found out that they don't eat what we eat. All you have to do is spend some time with a Caucasian family and you'll find they don't eat the same things you eat. They don't drink the same liquids you drink. Hear me? They have all that stuff prepared to break you down because you're at a point in time's time where you're metamorphosizing from a mortal into a god. That sounds crazy because of what they did to your mind with the fanatical monotheistic beliefs. And the word monotheistic comes from an ancient Greek god called Monos of sarcasm and pain. Look it up. Monotheos means sarcastic, painful theories. And that's what it's based on. If you don't believe what I believe, you're going to hell. If you ain't a Baptist and get dumped in some water reptilian for salvation, you're going to hell. If you ain't a Muslim and say, La ilaha illa, Allah is going to send you to hell until you ask them, where is hell? Or simply wasn't where is hell? Exactly where is it, Mr. Muslim man? Exactly where is it? Well, it's down. No, it ain't down there. Scientists that went straight through the planet. No, it ain't down there. Well, 
Where is heaven? Up there. How far? And then heaven is further than the furthest star. And one, of, and one of the nearest stars are millions of light years away. But see, when they talk like that, we don't have a clue. We stop there because we don't like math. Millions of light years. Just say, what is a light year? The distance light can travel in a year. How fast does light travel? 186,000 what? And based on the year of 265, you're 5 trillion miles away. Where, and now the nearest star, the nearest star is 100 million light years away. So you know how long it would get to heaven? Jesus is still on his way. <laughs> Scientifically, he's not even halfway there. <laughs> you understand? You may not like the way that sounds, but when they speak of this as a new age, and they try to make belonging to new age religions, as they call it, something cultish, no. New age means, like Jesus said, it's time for a new age, a new era, new information. Reverend, come down off the pulpit, because you don't know what you're talking about. It's time for you to move out the way. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Alhamdulillahi Wari Al-Kareem Wa sallallahu ala anbiya Ajma'een Wal Masih Wal Mahsi Wal Mujadda Laman Mursaleen Ama Abbas Are we not the bearers of witness That nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that He is alone and has no part And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the sustainer of all the boundless universe. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend. And send salutations of Allah on all of his prophets and his apostles. And on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the God. And on the Mujahid, the reformer. Which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. The man of the hour, airing seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WGAG Radio. The man 
of the hour, airing seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WGAG Radio. You are now listening to Rabboni Yeshua Bar El Hadi on Mount Zion, the city of peace. Genesis, 
when you get down to the uh, prophet Noah, and they moved everybody off the planet, and they took his seed and replenished the planet again. So there's multiple times where the Almighty steps in and says, I'm going to remove all living things or, or either all creeping things, and I'm going to bring in new things, mm -hmm. a re, a, what they call a replenishing or a refilling of the earth. Uh -huh. All right, we're coming back into that cycle right now. Oh, we are. We're coming back into the cycle because, pay attention, because the moon cycle has gone out and the sun cycle is coming in. The moon cycle is a symbol of the night or the shadow hour, and the sun cycle is, is a symbol of the day. We moved into the sun cycle because as the galaxy makes a complete circle, it's called an equinox. And the planet gets closer and further away from the sun at different times in its motion. During the period of time that the sun and the planet are close to each other, those are periods referred to as a, the solo era. And when it gets farther away from it, you know, it makes it... Yeah, but it's an egg-like shape, okay. right? When it gets further away, that is the moon cycle. That's why moon is synonymous with night and sun is synonymous with day. What is happening is every certain amount of thousands of years, it happens, right? We're getting ready to come back into the sun cycle. We already started into it a while back when they, what the devil referred to as the Aquarian Age. In that period of time, the sun gets closer to the planet. And a very strange thing happens, right? The people who cannot live under the sun only have one alternative. What is it? No. They must go back to the cage. Oh, okay. They can't stay on the surface. Yeah, okay. You follow that? So what's happening now amongst the so-called Europeans, the reason why they're building underground tunnels across Europe, the reason why they're taking all the stores off the streets and turning them into malls, the reason why they're putting the cinemas or movies, as you call them, inside malls and hospitals and everything, or underground communications, because he's coming into an era time that before, in the Holy Quran, as you call it, so the guys speak about a period of time when they went into the cage, and they don't even know how long they were in the cage sleeping. They were sleepers in the cage. That means that was the other cycle when the sun cycle on the other side came in. Then it goes into a moon, and then it comes into a sun again, then back to the moon. It's two moon cycles and two sun cycles that complete that complete equinox. All right? We're at a period of time now where the sun cycle has come in, the ozone layer is moving, there's a greenhouse effect, the planet is warming up, and the European people have to get off the surface of the planet. They have to go underground. And they're trying to build everything. First, they tried to go out. They found out that life existed on Mars, but they couldn't exist there because of certain ammonia that, that they would make it impossible for them to survive. So now they're back to building underground. They linked up Europe. They had to get a one-world system so that all Europeans would be in tune because those that are not in tune will die. So all we have to do, and people, when I speak about the end of the devil's rule or reign in 6,000 years, all we have to do is wait. You're looking for some phenomena other than what's taking place. In the books of Malachi, they call him the son of justice. They translate it as righteous, but it's the son, and they use the word shemesh. They don't use the word son like ben, son, S-O-N. They use the word S-U-N, and they speak about the son of justice bringing out the fire upon earth. Right? That marks a period of time near the end of the world when the sun itself is going to become the means of justice. And that justice is a confirmation of a prophecy that was made to us that when the devil comes out to harm us, fire would rain out of heaven upon them and consume them. Follow that? And that's happening to them right now. 
but we're looking for matches to be struck and flames. That's only one kind of fire. If you remember the hell book that I've written, I said there's a variety of different kind of fires. Is it a is it a gas fire? Is it a, a carbon fire? Is it, you know, there's different kinds of fires. The sun in itself, Ra, is a form of fire. You follow that? They call it Amun Ra because Amun means trusted. You follow? Amun Ra means trusted. And it makes mention in the book of Revelations in the third chapter in the 14th verse about El Amun. The trusted or faithful and the true. When I say faithful, I mean that I've made a promise with you and you are faithful to that promise. You follow that? So Amun Ra has to hold faithful to his promise to us as people of the sun. When I say Amun Ra, people think right back to idol worship in Egypt, right? And I'm talking about Ra means to see. And it's the same thing like I explained many times that Hagar used when she went in the wilderness. She said El Roy, which was enough for saying I'm El Ra. She didn't say Amun because Amun was a certain people that she didn't belong to. It's another story. All right, so the promise is being fulfilled for us that the time for the devil is ending. The fire is pouring down out of the sky. It's happening now. It's happening to them right now. It's giving them skin cancer. Each year they're told you can't go to the beaches. They love beaches. Beaches are a symbol of nudity to them. And the word nude is short for Nod, the land of Nod. In Hebrew, we don't say Nod. We say nude. Now they're pushing for nudity beaches, and it's amazing because they're pushing for nudity beaches, but they can't go to the beach. So they must be pushing for nudity beaches for you and I. Because it says, oh, children of Adam, don't let the devil seduce you and take off your clothes. So he can't be making nudity beaches for Europeans because they can't go to the beach no more. They're telling them, stay off the beaches. Where they're not getting burnt, they're poisoned in the water. There's fires all across the country, floods all across the country. All this is done by the Illuminati. They're trying to destroy the surface of the planet so that we will have to go underground with them. Do you understand that? They're at a point now where well, we they... Have to go, do we? I mean, we're not going to go. It depends. It depends, on if <laughs> well, it depends on if you're prepared or not. Okay. You've got to be prepared because regardless of how close the sun becomes to the planet Earth, it will not have any effect on us. I mean, but do we have to prepare ourselves just as individuals? No, we have to prepare ourselves as a body. That is our problem. We keep on breaking up into individuals Uh and divided. We have no power. We're the only people that's disunited amongst ourselves. We get broken down all the way down into Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists and Sunni Muslims and Hansars. We're broken up into all kinds of little stupid splinter groups. There's Egyptologists over here, Dr. Ben is on this side, and Clark is on this side, and... And Siraj Wahaj is over here, and Muhammad al-Amin is in al and Farrakhan is over here, and Wurfdi is over here. And that's just in the Islamic world. Then when you get into the Hebrew world, you got Ben Amin Kata, Yahweh Ben Yahweh over here, Rabbi Jeremiah over here, Rabbi Matthews over here. And that's in the black so-called Jewish section. Then when you get into Christianity, you got Seventh-day Adventists, Pentecostals, Episcopalians, Protestants, Baptists, Lutherans, Catholics. And all of this has been set up to divide us in mind. Because the power of us coming together mentally can affect the world. The whole thing is to keep us divided in mind, right, because of this day and time. The devil's time is at its expiration date. It's fulfilling its prophecy. It's 6,000 years is coming to an end. Now, what he has to do is get off of the surface of the planet. If you would just be patient, he'll have to leave. He can't reverse the greenhouse effect. He cannot push the sun away. He cannot reverse 
the destruction of the ozone layer. He can't stop that. It's not bothering you. He's convincing you that it's bothering you. <laughs> He's trying to tell you, you better not go to the beach, because if you go to the beach, you're going to catch skin cancer. What's wrong with you? You was born on the beach. <laughs> what do you think Ethiopia is? What do you think Sudan is? 130, 110, 115 degrees all year round. You follow that? So we are waiting. I am waiting for the sun. I raise my hands to Amun-Ra and say, come closer to the earth. Because the closer he gets, the faster he gets, the quicker they have to go underground. And what they're trying to do now is they're trying to destroy the surface of the planet. So they're poisoning the water so we'll have no fish. They're burning all the forests so all the livestock is gone. They've corrupted all the farmland. And then they're destroying all the countries that oppose them where we might take refuge. You follow that? All the Middle East is being wiped out. All of Sudan, Ethiopia, Somali. Don't fall for that Somali lift. That Somali lift was a result of the fact that they looked on television and saw them camps in Russia, and they saw them Amorites starving over there, so they had to get food over there. And one day, it took them to close all them camps in Russia and bring food, and because the public eye was on it, they sent a couple of bags of being Ethiopia sort of looked like a balance for the, for the UN. Actually, they're not least concerned. Part of the plot is to destroy all of what's called Africa, Africa. Either by AIDS, famine, you follow diseases, they're going to wipe it out. Because they have to go, like the Quran sort, back in the cage. You follow that? They have no choice. They build these high rises and these condominiums. All of the so-called Europeans who live on the southern part of this country are now moving north. So they're going to eventually leave out of South Africa? They have to. They have to leave out of South Africa. But it's going to be in a, such a bad state, there's nothing we can do with it anyway. They gave the land to these Amorites. They didn't have to. They could have taken And they didn't have to leave Nelson Mandela in jail for 26 years. So they wanted him in there until they lobotomized him and used him as a tool. But let me get back to where we at. People ask me all the time about South Africa. I'm not in South Africa. We're right here, and we got problems. And we better get straight. We better start worrying about what's happening with us here. We're running out of time, and they're making more demands. The reason why you see them trying to renovate your neighborhoods and buy up your neighborhoods is because they have to get out of the South. You understand that? They got to leave Georgia. They got to leave Florida. They got to leave South Carolina, and they'll have to live from an upper part of North Carolina up where the weather is controllable until they can go underground. So now you drive all up in these mountains and all you see is Florida plates and all old, old Jews walking around up here because they're trying to find places up here, up in Canada. That's their refuge. So as many times as they try to put a community in Canada, they couldn't get it established. We have a problem with Syracuse, Buffalo, all up there. And it dawned on me because we have to get out of here and go south. Why do we have to go south, and why do we have to go to an area south where it's open and not mountainous? Because that's where he can't come. He cannot chase you where he cannot go. You follow that? So as long as we're up in a mountain area, he can come up here. But when we get down in an area where it's flat and open plains and the temperatures range in the hundreds, we don't have to worry about him coming down there because as the sun gets closer, he will not be able to survive. It would be suicide for him to pursue us in an environment where nature is fighting against him. You understand what I'm trying to say? This is a day and time we are now for the people to say, why are we leaving Mount Zion and going south? Because we're passing him on the road. 
And let the fools come this way, and we'll go that way where he can't come. But we're going to have to learn how to survive down there because you forgot how to be sun people. And that's one of the main reasons why I said stop the perms and the jerry curls and all that crap because you can't afford it and you won't have access to it. You know what I'm trying to say? And I, and I didn't say go back to Afro, because Afro described one hairstyle. <laughs> one hairstyle. And I, I heard somebody say just yesterday, if they were to bring that hairstyle up to today, instead of us being called Afro-Americans, we would have to be called Jerry Curl Americans, or Extension Americans, or, or, per, or Perm Americans, because Afro is just a hairstyle, and the word Afro don't apply to us. We are not Africans. And I say that to say nobody is African. There is no such thing as an African. The word African means Africa, to divide us up into pieces. We are Ethiopians, we are Egyptians, we are Kushites, Hamites, Shemites, we are not Africans. You follow that? We have broken up into families, became known as Ashante, we became known as Mendingans, we, we got set up with Igbo, we became many different names. But when you get past all those tribal names and get down to it, we are the Shemites and not Semites. They're, they could be semi. They could be Semites. We're Shemites. You follow? So we have to prepare ourselves for this hour of time. And the sun is on our side. Nature is on the side. But he is destroying the planet intentionally with all kind of earthquakes. And right now, if you look on the news, there's fires in Florida, there's fires in California. There's fire. He's burning up all the forests. When you burn the forests, you're chasing the animals. If he's burning the forests down there, which direction is he chasing the animals? If he's poisoning all the waters on the seacoast of Florida, where is he chasing all the fish? Now, why would he chase the fish and the animals up here? Huh? Because he's going to be living up here. <laughs> so the best way for me to chase you is to light a fire. I light a fire on this side, I can guarantee that whatever's on that side is going to run in that direction. So if you monitor them fires, them fires start off the coast of Florida and they're moving all up. Now they're talking about South Carolina, all on the coast of South Carolina. They can't get inland. So what you do is go inland. Stay off the coast. You follow that? And then all the animals will run inland and north. And there you'll set up your colonies for survival. You follow that? Yeah. Would it be um, uh, plant and food and stuff like that? Or star. <laughs> <laughs> One or the other. Won't be no A and P. Won't be no A and P, right? Not us. Not like that. You know that the word ahad, right? Ahad. And Ahada is the same as Ahad, right? And Tawheed, but see, Tawheed is a created word. The reason why I say it's a created word because it's used in Islam, and Islam claims to come out of the Quran, correct? That when Muhammad received the Quran, that's when they formulated the system of Islamic teaching, and they corrected this divine language in which this scripture was sent down. You follow me? However, the name Tawheed is nowhere in the Quran which meant that after the Quran was completed, then men looked in the Quran when it was setting up grammars and stuff and created words from words. So in Arabic language, yeah, Tawheed is a word, but it's not a Quranic word. It's a word that they've made from the word Wahid. You follow? Yeah. I would like to ask a question. Um, the importance of coming into the tabernacle, um, those that want to come in, 
and were rejected because of medical reasons. I don't, I don't, I'm not speaking about sensation diseases. What happens to those people? I can't speak for those people because that's the day and time we're in. We're in a strange day and time. And that is that we have evoluted ourselves from pure mental, right? We had a perfect ether and a bushel. We have, we have evoluted into some new being. And I don't mean new being, I mean some new kind of being that's not in tune with the original self. You know, we're radical, we're unpredictable. We think a lot like the enemy. Yeah. We're self-destructive, we're uncooperative, and up in the most, we're disagreeable. So we have subject ourselves to a lot of stuff that has changed us. So it's hard to look in the eyes of a Nubian person and know what you're looking at now. You follow? Um, yeah, Shalom. Shalom. I'm a part of the Christi Coptic Hebrews, and we wrote you several letters, and we, had a, we didn't hear any response, but we read in your bulletin, which you did write, and we'd like to know, well, why didn't we hear any response to you first? So many people are trying to match what I'm teaching, not necessarily you. And oftentimes, they really would like to know what they're talking about, but they don't. You know, they say, I'm fluent and I'm hot. And they make a statement like, Hala Salafi means this. And I look and say, that's not what it means in Amharic. It might mean something in modern translation that is even with Ethiopia today, but that's not what it means in ancient Gizek. Or they'll say, in the scripture, this person is this, and that's not who that person is. They're reading English translations or Amharic translations from English. So understand, the devil has ran way up ahead of y'all in, in the early 19th century, the 1910, 11, and 12, and started translating all the scriptures into French, out of a, a land in French called Bukhara, and then translated from that into Arabic. So the Arabic Bibles you got are originally translated from French, not from the original. The Amharic Bibles you're getting are not from, and Halafalassian people like himself were sellouts to Ethiopia. They were not for Ethiopia. He was a sellout. He was a Christian, a Coptic Christian. You cannot be a Christian and be of the pure seed of the house of Judah. You can only be of the pure seed of the house of Judah. And you can read it. If you read the book of the prophet, who they call him a prophet, they call say Nubia in Hebrew, and it means a prophesier as opposed to a divah, which is a prophet, and it's called Melachi. Melachi means in Hebrew, my angel. They say messenger, because they don't want to translate that. If you read that, you'll see how they address false Kohan. They call them false priests. People who are perverting the law, who don't keep the sacrifices, and don't know how to do this, and don't know how to do that. It's only four chapters, but it's the last of the 12. They have, they have the 12 of the 21 in the, in the Tanakh. 12 of the 21, which is supposed to be the 12 minor prophets. And the 12 minor prophets, they are there to explain to us where errors went wrong. And the last one, the most powerful, is Melech. And he predicts all the future events. Certain people would love for, uh, let's say, Elijah Muhammad to be Elijah. Other people would love for Haile Selassie to be the Lion of Judah. That just wasn't it. They never did anything that rendered them it. Their congregations are desperate for a person to hug, so they create an aura around a person that I met Haile Selassie personally. Right? He, he, doesn't see, he never saw himself as Jesus. And of course, we could say after that, well, of course, Jesus would say he's not Jesus. Then if we say, you know, if I say to you, are you Jesus? And you say, no. I say, okay, only Jesus would say he's not Jesus. Then I say, well, okay, then, then I am Jesus. Then you say, I told you, he's Jesus. Halifax never subscribed to Jesus. Halifax was educated in France. He was not a direct descendant from Solomon. And if he was a direct descendant of Solomon, which I'm pointing out in that bulletin, it's still not good enough for us because they, his father and him both married Hittite women. They married the cursed seed of the canon, of which Abraham 
who is our father, and the shield falls under Abraham, not David. That's another thing I read. They mentioned the shield of David. Morgan David is not Morgan Abraham. If you look in the 15th chapter in the first verse, Barashit, where they refer to as Genesis, the shield is Abraham's shield. That is the star we wear. The shield of, it's called Morgan Abraham. And he says, the Lord said, I am your shield, Abraham. They're following a different star, interlocked star, which is a symbol of Satan. It has nothing to do with the star that we're following. So what it is, is I addressed it like I read the pamphlets, I looked at them, I saw this from our books in it, I saw information that was wrong on Hala Selassie, so I said, I'm writing a book about Hala Selassie anyway. Not so much about Hala Selassie as the character, but as one of the characters in our Ethiopian life because we are the original Ethiopian people. Sudanese are Ethiopians, whether they want to accept it or not. And Ethiopians are Kushites, and Kushites all come under Ham and Shem, right, which are the sons of Nah. So what I did is I addressed it subtly, instead of opening like I usually do. What I usually do when someone writes me and says, you're wrong, you think you know what you're talking about, then I usually go, so you want to play games? And I write a whole book about them. <laughs> That's my way of saying, don't play with me. I'm not the same thing you are. I'm not some person who just pops up with a little information, you know, and, going to, and trying to get a congregation. I, I say that to the five percenters. I say that to Farrakhan. I say that to the Sunni Muslims. This is a different level of information that we're coming from. And so what happened is I addressed it subtly the same way I did when the Sunnis first wrote about me. I put out a couple of little leaflets, and then I said, you understand what I can do, and I left it alone. And then they came back with a cult book, and I said, okay, so you want to fight. I don't want to fight because this is going to be Kushite on Kushite, but being you want to play, let's dance. You know what I'm saying? But the time I wasted, you know, researching the Quran and showing them their errors, I could have spent raising the nation. And then I got sidetracked because I was on a Jesus Christ mission at the time, writing a series of books about how, who is Jesus' father. And I was, you know, trying to get that spell of the ghost, the gospel, the ghost spell out of our heads. And I got sidetracked by my own people. And I got there. When I got there, I met the five percenters. And then I got sidetracked by the five percenters. And I'm like, back on mainstream. And I said, is this another? And I got this stuff. I said, have to stand here and badger more my own people. So I just said, let me just write about it, right? And left it on. I have a whole book on Ethiopia and the history of the line of descendancy of Judah, where they went, who they are. Documented facts, not hypothetics. Shua was a land. He was not from Shua. He migrated to Shua. He was raised in a Barak, another whole province in Ethiopia. Moved there, and the land was established by a descendant, and it wasn't Menelik. It's a whole big thing that they play games with people. When he went to Jamaica, for instance, he didn't even he didn't respect the Rastafarians. He was very disrespectful. Other flies, he did not acknowledge their presence at all. He visited the temple because he was forced to, but he didn't respect them. In Ethiopia, he was overthrowing the country. He brought Christianity into Ethiopia. The man who ruled Ethiopia before him was a Muslim. But he was not a Muslim, so they say Muslim, and they try to make it sound like he was an Arab Muslim. He was not. He was a Sudanese Muslim who believed in the Torah and lived like we do as Islamic Hebrews. But they, they eliminated him to put Hala Selassie in so that they could bring Christianity in. Because, and I'll tell you why. Because they're trying to find the Ark of the Covenant. This is what they want to get their hands on. They made a movie about it. Raiders of the Lost Ark, because they know the power of the cherubim that El Elo Yahweh channels. He controls both Elohims, the Elohims that are good and the Elohims that are bad, which they don't say good and bad in Hebrew. We use the word Tov and Ra, which is 
agreeable and disagreeable, those disagreeable and agreeable Elohims. And the disagreeable ones are the ones that have the wings symbolic, right? They protect the Ark of the Covenant that we as Ben Yisrael. When he say Ben Yisrael, you're including Ishmaelites. Ishmaelites, Muslims may think they're in another religion, but they're nothing but a 5% branch off from Israel. We are Ishmaelites. We are Midianites. We are, just, we are Jacob's sons, but Esau is also us, so the Edomites are us, but they laid their mountains to waste because they maliciously went out and married Hittites. Maliciously, Yitzhak or Esau went out to marry Hittite women to get even because he lost the blessing. There's no such word as birthright in the Torah. It's not in there. The word is blessing, the word is buroka, and it means the blessing. And that blessing was money. This is what the problem was. It wasn't about nothing spiritual. It was about money. And when Jacob got the money, Yitzhak was mad and went back to his father and said, could you give me a little money? <laughs> That's the Hebrew understanding from Aramic. But in the Christian Bible, you're going to get lost because they don't know what they're talking about. Never. Yes, no. that's, that's why we came here. Yes. We came here so I want to get together with you and put out some stuff to a lot of the Rastafarians because I, I bear witness to your doctrine and anxiety. So it wasn't a matter of we trying to fight off your doctrine. Trying to work together. But trying to hook up because um, some of the same things you're talking about now about <coughs> Ethiopia, about the sun, and, and even etymology. The nine ether. Yeah, nine ether, the number nine also. We've been saying for a long time. The Wapo. Like you know about the Wapo and all those? Yeah, yeah. Those are the ancient scientists. I just heard a tape about the um, Beni Elohim. Uh, um, the Elohim. You are, you are Elohim. Believe it. Mm -hmm. And the Elohim that sits here are both good and bad. Or simply agreeable and disagreeable. That's us. You know what I'm saying? And he is L. L is the Elohim is the plural of it. You see that? L, Elohim. You are. That's why Yeshua said, is it not written in your law? I, he was sent, but notice he said, is it not written in your law? Because he was taking him back to Tiflin. The Tiflin is called, what you refer to as the Psalms. The Psalms. And what they would do, let me just want to finish, they would sing a song. The whole congregation would sing. And this will also address this young lady's question. They would sing the song of praise, and at the end of the song, they would say, Salat. They thought that's true, but they'd say Salat. Salat in Hebrew, it said, Sali. Sad, Lam, Lamet, and Hay. That's the Sali, you see. That's like in Muslim saying, coming to Salat. Salat, Sad, Lam, Alif, Tamabuta in Hebrew is Sad. <laughs> you follow that? Lamet, and Hay. You ever notice that at the end of certain prayers? It says Sali, which meant now it's time to get up to pray. And when they got up and prayed, they raised their hand towards the sky. You can see this amongst the Falashians today, in Havashiyah. Raise your hands toward the sky like you'll find on the walls in Mitzrayim, in Egypt. We raise our hands. What we did in ancient Egypt and what we did in Ethiopia and what we did in Sudan was the same. We didn't start looking down at fire until we got infiltrated by pale Arabs. And they taught us to stop looking towards rock and start looking down at the ground. Everything, listen to this, everything that you know of that is healthy grows this way grows towards the sun, not this way. You understand what I'm saying? So they, this was a major, a major plot to remove one spell, Christianity, and reinstill another spell, Islamic. And it wasn't the real Muslim teachers, because the real Muslim teachers, they held their hands up. Somewhere along the line, people got in, and they institutionalized 
Salat. And I said, let's go back to the Quran for what it's worth, El's Quran, and look and see in it what he says. And eliminate all the things that we're doing that he does not say. And when you do that, you eliminate looking down because it's not in there. There's no place in the Quran where it says, put your hands on your heart and put your face down. My descendants did it, and they passed it on to me. And in your birth, you, it was passed on to you. You follow that? So that was step one. Right? Now we're moving on further to no longer worshiping, but becoming that which was worshipped. I'll put it clearer. And I'm not saying, L, don't fool yourself, unless you can create a gnat. All right, and if you get until you get to that level, I'm just saying. We, but we have to become who we really are, and that makes us responsible for the universe, because that's what we were created to be—caretakers. Do you hear me? And somewhere along the line, something got removed from us. It got removed in Genesis. If you look at the fourth chapter and the 26th verse, you'll see where it says, "And the Almighty gave." Adam and Eve, another son, to replace the other one, like and in the image and after the likeness of Adam. This son, Seth, was not in the image and after the likeness of Elohim, the angelic beings responsible for the replenishing of earth. Read it again. There's in the image and after the likeness of Adam. What state was Adam in in the fourth chapter, which is after the third chapter? Was he in a positive state or had he sinned? You see that? So Seth's seed, meaning most of you, right, were descendants from, like Adam, who had sinned. Now I talk simple, plain, common sense. When you take a little baby, okay, whether it's black, white, or purple, do you have to teach that baby evil, or do they naturally take from other kids? Are they naturally possessors? You follow that? Do you realize that when your baby is hugging you and mooring on your hand and you're fascinated that what the baby's really trying to do is eat you? <laughs> do you know that? You think that when your baby's mooring on your hand, that's cute. Your baby is really trying to eat you. It doesn't know that you're not food. A baby will reject you and you can say, here's a cookie and a baby will come. That's a certain part of our nature. That same nature that got, took us to the tree. Adam's seed was not good. Howard's seed was good. You follow that? Adam's name, originally, Adam's name, not Adam. Adam's name, because it said, and call their name Adama. The word Adama means of the dust of the ground. But in that same Torah, they give you the name of Adam and Eve when they say male and female created he them and call their names Adam. Now what is the name then? When they use the word male, the same thing happens in El's Quran. They say, Zakar wa Antar. We created you male and female. Zakar wa Antar. However, the word Zakar, Zakara, has nothing to do with being a male or female or gender. It has to do with the word to remember, Zikr. You follow that? In the Torah, it says, male and female created he them, and called their names Adam. Zakar wa Nakibu was their names. When you trace the Nakibu back to ancient Aramic, it means leadership and out front in power. And Nakibu was the female, not the male. 
then Zachar was Adam's name. Adam doesn't mean that's his name. Adam means of the ground, a earth being as opposed to a Elohim being. There was Elohim of heaven and Elohims on earth, physical ones and spiritual ones. If you want to see it, again, in the book of Malachi, right in the fourth chapter of it, they call them the Almighty God. Before all, they say God leads. And if you flip back to your Aramis, you see they have in there Elohim al Bashar. Right? Elohim in the flesh. Now, so you had Adam seed, who's an Elohim, and you have Nakibu, who you call Hawa. And the reason why they call her Hawa or Haya, because it meant wind. You follow that? It meant the breath, the Nachas, that breathed into a person. And the reason why they say that woman comes out of man is because man decides the gender of the child. Whether it's an XY chromosome, not just somebody snap nobody's rib, rip their chest open, that's not what's in there. You're talking about a replenishing of the world, not a creation of the world. Adam and Eve were not the first people on the planet for us. You understand that? I'll give you some simple reasons why. One is, we, we use the basic biblical concept. We have Cain, Abel, Adam, and Eve. Is that the basic Christian concept? How many people was that? Four people. Cain kills Abel. He eliminates one of the people. How many people are left? Who are these people? Right? Adam, Eve, and Cain. Three people, right? Now, when the Almighty addresses Cain concerning the killing of his brother, Cain cried that his penalty is greater than he could bear, right? And then he said he put a mark on him, right? A birthmark, exactly what it is. A birthmark on him. That what? What was, what was Cain afraid of? Tell me. Anybody what? Cain was afraid that if anybody finding him will kill him. Could you tell me who was going to find him if there's only three people on the planet? Who was he afraid of if there was nobody else on the planet but him, his mother and father? It wasn't his father he was worrying about. It wasn't his mother he was worried about. There must have been other people on the planet that he was worried about that would kill him. And when he left that land and went into the land of Nud, Nod, he encountered other people. There, it was already there in the Philians. Then again they say, the man should leave his mother and his father and cling unto his wife and they should become one flesh. Correct? If these are the first people on the planet, who was that law for before it was said to them? It didn't say you are to leave your mother and father. It said a man as if the law was already set. A man is to leave his mother and leave his father and cling unto his wife and there to become one flesh. If that law was set, who was it set for if there was nobody there? And nobody else got married. You follow? And why is the word refill or replenish? Because in Hebrew or Aramic, the word is barra. They don't use the word halakha. Yes, there is a Hebrew word halakha, meaning creation, and it talks about the original creation that took place billions of years ago. But Adam and Eve, 49,000 years ago, was a recreation, a barra. And look it up in Hebrew. 
You see right there, barra. And that means to remake, to remodel, or to rebuild, not to create. We will continue following this brief intermission. Have you ever wondered why so many Nubians or black people seem to aid the devil in destroying us? Have you ever wondered why they sell the drugs and they pull the trickers? And the black cop may beat you worse than a white cop. And the black leader maid will chase you down while the white leader maid may let you go. Or the minister would lie and say anything. Have you ever wondered why this is so easy to them? Then you must read a book called Are There Black Devils? For in the midst of us, living with us, marrying us, teaching us, preaching to us, are black devils who were here before the creation, the gravitation of the pale devil. Read the book Are There Black Devils? A must for anyone who wants to know the truth. It's available at your nearest Tents of Abraham. To order, write to the Tents of Abraham. Post Office Box 50547, Atlanta, Georgia 30302. about the breastplate in Revelation chapter 21 verses 18 through 20. Read where the priest wore the breastplate. This is not merely a piece of jewelry or an ornament. This is a sacred relic. Read in Exodus chapter 28 verse 15. For you are the original priest of the ancient house of Israel where your breastplate it's a talisman against evil. In 14 karat gold, for male, $475, female, $275. To order, write to the Tents of Abraham, Post Office Box, 50547, Atlanta, Georgia, 30302. Now we will continue with Rabboni Yeshua Bar al-Hadi on Mount Zion. And what was taking place then? The planet had got so corrupted amongst the Elohim. And when you look up Elohim or heavenly host, you see that they say heavenly host or Elohim or angelic beings. You follow that? So if the Elohim were beings who came to this planet from somewhere else, 
I'm saying somewhere so I don't get distracted by UFO conversation. <laughs> right? Came to this planet from somewhere, and they lived on this planet. They called them giants. It's, in, it's right in the Bible. Giants were in the earth in those days. Right? And Adam and Eve encountered living and dealing with these beings. These people must have had laws. Adam or Eve, one of them had to be living by those laws to know the laws. Who was he talking to? Adam or Eve, when he spoke about that. A man, the law is that a man should talk to Adam. You'd like to believe that Adam was a good person. Adam was seven feet because he was an Nephilian and an Achite. His family had mixed in. They were part of the people called Path. Path are the original people of the planet Earth, pygmies. Two people existed at the time that you identified. One lived over near the two rivers called Nile, or Nile, and others lived over near the two rivers called Tigris and Euphrates. You understand? And both of these rivers were fed from the Mediterranean. The only difference is when you look at the map today, you have a problem. You're trying to figure out how the water ran down the Nile this way and up the Euphrates this way. Correct? It ran through Greece and down through Babylon. How? Because it was before the planet was tilted off its axis. See, your planet has now been tilted on a 23-degree axis. So where Tigris would have been here, and the Nile would have ran there, down above, beneath the Mediterranean, now it's sitting like this, so it looks like it's impossible. So when you go to a map, you can't see those four rivers that's flowing down, and you get confused. But if you go back to before the planet got shifted off its axis, you'll see how the... You follow? So this part is on the eastern end of the garden, obviously. And where would that be at? That's in the Persian Gulf. That's in an area called Or, which means flames in Aramaic or Hebrew. Or means flames. The city of Nod was in the midst of the flames. And what is flames called? What do you know flames as? As hell. You understand? Flames is hell. And there is where the giants, the wicked beings, live. And it's said in, when you get to Barashit in the sixth chapter, that the sons of God, the first one, those are not positive Elohim. Those are negative Elohim, disagreeable. They took the daughters of men. You see the difference? The second time it says they went in unto. But the first time it says they took. That means they left the Euphrates area and went over into Egypt, where we lived at, the pygmies. You follow that? We, were, that's, we didn't stand over four feet at the time. And the giants who came down stood over seven feet. The normal height of a man, whether you like it or not, is five foot six inches. I'm not five foot six, so that's the only thing I'm saying because it's me. It's a perfect balance between the Elohim on that side and the Elohim on that side because we created him in our image. And if they're seven feet and they're four feet, the middle image would be five, six. You follow? So now these wicked beings left their land and went over into Egypt called Mitzrayim. Today, called Gen, back then, Garden, and took women from all that they chose. You follow that? And that family that they chose that ended up on their side is where Adam, who was a descendant from the original people, 
That's why when you see the picture of Adam, he has wavy hair. He doesn't have nine ether. He has eight ether. There's nine, eight, seven, and six ether in our hair. Another question that comes up. How did Nakibo or Eve become light-skinned? Yeah. <laughs> That's because you want to convince yourself because you're dark-skinned that the first people were dark-skinned. It's very convenient. But genetically, that's just not true. Because two dark-skinned people can give birth to a brown-skinned person. And it'll stay within a certain color range from Latino all the way down. When you get to the point where the skin is ghost-like, it's non-ether, it's ghost-like, it's transparent, then you've bred out of the Ethiopian people, the nine ether. Adam's family were Pathites. Of, of, that's the same path you read about in ancient Egypt, right, who influenced Amun-Ra. Mixed in, was kidnapped, taken over there to live in that land. Thus, Abraham's family is born out of all Chaldea, not being born in Ethiopia where they belonged. And Adam himself was a mixture. He was a giant. He was seven feet tall to the original Pathites of ancient Egypt. You understand? So he was influenced by good or bad. Or what should we say, agreeable or... He was influenced by a disagreeable people. Did, did Nahas, Nahas is a Torah word for the whisperer. There's no word serpent in there. It's Nahas. One of his names is Fabun. That's one of his ancient names. It means a snake. His real name is Samuel. Samuel, that was his name. But... Who did he go to? Huh? He went to Eve. He did not go to Adam. Why didn't the devil go to Adam? He's already there. <laughs> he knew Adam. He knew Adam. <laughs> <laughs> what? Shouldn't it have been that he should have went to Adam and let Adam influence Eve as opposed to going to Eve and letting Eve know? Because Eve was of the original Pathites of ancient Ethiopia and was good. Adam's family had been living over at the Euphrates and had become influenced by evil. So the whole purpose of the breeding, or as the Honorable Elijah Muhammad spoke about, the graftation and the black and the brown seed, which is how in Adam, <laughs> was to breed the evil out of us and make us back into the image of the Elohim so you'd have contact like you used to directly with the universe. To the dog star. You heard the dog star before? What is it called? Osiris. What is it called in Mitzrayim? Anubis. The jackal, the dog. You understand? The god of death. The god of life. That's our representation of black jackal to them. The worship Amorite, when he's worshiping God, and God, like I said before many times, in dyslexia, his dog, he's talking about the God, Anubis of ancient Egypt, which represented us. You understand? Not the jackal of the cave that he encountered when he had to go into the cave when the last sun cycle came through and the moon cycle went out. He was asking, why did Canaan go up into the cave? Because the sun cycle came in and the people of Nuwapu the sun people come to power. And the night people, and let me give you some names for it. Dracula. When you look 
in the New Testament, as it's called, in their Greek translations, the word for serpent is drag with a K, eon. Drag eon. And they say dragon. The name Dracula is from a German origin and it's Drachion. <laughs> Dracula is a symbol of a being that cannot stay under the sun. He roams by night and he needs fresh blood because he is a hemophiliac. A hemophiliac is a being that lacks hemoglobin in the blood and does not have the power to produce clotting factors. You with me? Dracula wears a long black cloak, symbol of the night. Dracula has to go into a sarcophagus or a sepulcher or a coffin in modern day. In ancient times, there were no coffins. People were put inside caves. And he has to have the natural soil under it. You follow that? Mm-hmm. So they're uniting Europe. And they build underground tunnels in Europe. Does anybody know about all the underground tunnels that's being built in Europe? Dracula is aware that the sun cycle is coming in, so evening and morning is passing for a seventh day. Meaning, we had the 6,000 years. And let's read it the way you see it. We had a 6,000 year period, correct? Now, after 6,000 comes in, so this time is up in the year 2000, which is the year 6,000 from canon. That ends another day. And how does the scripture usually say? Evening and morning was the... Now let's go into the seventh day, because everybody desisted on the last seventh day. <laughs> and they called it Shabbat. Right? Now we're coming into the seventh day. A new horizon. The sun is getting closer to the planet. Dracula has to get back in his coffin. <laughs> or the sun will burn him up. It's just called, in modern day, skin cancer. <laughs> Nubian people stop wrestling with the devil. You already have the blessing. All you have to do is wait. All you have to do is be a sabr. <laughs> Patient. <laughs> Nubians aren't responding and not realizing that the end of the world is near. With all the doctrine that's coming out and all the different things that you're doing little by little, you know, you have an effect on the people in a big way. And, and you just got to be ready for it. Unfortunately, a lot of Nubians are not into computers like we are. And um, they don't even know about the hell box. They don't even know, they don't know about the hell box, right? Comments. Right? A lot of you don't know about the hell box comments yet. That's why I got, what I did is I got a copy of the tape so they can hear the Amorites tell them about a craft like, like, like entity that has, seems like it's alive, yet not alive, that's four times the size of Earth that they just discovered. And NASA has confirmed that it's there next to a meteorite that came into existence two years ago called Heba. And it's on the tape and they're called Heba. And they're actually talking about this this new craft thing, and they tell you it's coming towards Earth, and it's 
intelligently controlled and it's coming to get a group of people. And they say on the tape that these group of people that they're coming to get are people that are involved in, in an advanced study. And, and, and no, they literally say it on the tape. They say they're out to teach people. Did anybody hear it yet? Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. You'll pick it up, right? Drop it in the car on the way back home. And listen to it. In the end of it, the guy says, uh, in the beginning of it, in fact, he says, um, uh, I'd like to thank um, Dr. So-and-so, something Malachi. That's not me now, right? If somebody uses the name Malachi. Most of them don't pronounce the name Malachi, they pronounce the name Malachi. Right? So it's a slip of tongue. When they say Malachi, that means they, they're letting us know where it's all over. But they cannot deny. And we have the, we went into the computer and um, internet, and it showed us the comet. They had pictures of the comet in there, and um, it's good to know it's there. They noticed, they noticed it's Nibiru, and they literally say on the tape, uh, Zachariah Sitchin refers to this as Nibiru. Next um, came into us was, um, I tried to fax it to as many people as I can. I don't know if you got it. the skull. Right? Y'all get the skull? The skull of a denacle, the twice the chromium, twice the size. And right after that, about two days later, they sent us the skull of a tarot, the cone. Because everybody, when we said the cone is the real, people thought he was chopping off Saturday Night Live. Of course, they don't know that everything the Amorite does, he, he puts the intelligence in front of you so he won't believe it. But they got actual skulls. And we're getting more information coming constantly because now that people know through the internet that we're the source of this information, they feel free sending us stuff. Amorites, everybody, I'm just clipping. I got like 10 stories on how Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene. You heard somebody had, y'all that one? Had children, how his kids moved, you know, was protected by the, you know, whom, etc. All these stories are coming out. They had a whole thing on television the other night on um, Discovery or one of them, where they talk about, you know, the, you know, the um, graves of, of skulls, the graves of skulls under Old Jerusalem. Well, they have a place called the Grave of Skulls under Old Jerusalem, for those who don't know, where they have all the skeletons of all the uh, popes and all of that. And this is that, that place where they say that um, Freemasons go when they reach a certain degree. Believe me, I know. And they go to Jerusalem and they go beneath Old Jerusalem and they see the body of Jesus. And uh, they've taken the body of Muhammad out of the 18th century out of Medina. That's when they rebuilt Medina. The mosque in the north, and they, when they did that there, what actually happened is the, the shrine took the body of Muhammad out of that, which they had preserved. And his body is also in the, under there. And, and only uh, people of a certain degree of Freemasonry are allowed to see it. It's a confirmation. Actually, they're not looking at Jesus' body. They're looking at Bar Jesus' body. Because in there also, in, the, in a higher degree, they tell you that Jesus went to Egypt and he died there at 120. But Jesus' son, why he was the one that was killed in the streets of Jerusalem, body transferred to the Vatican in Rome, where they simulated the crucifixion of him there, kept his body there for a certain amount of years, and then the Knights of Templar went there and got it and bought it and put it in there. They have a special chamber where they keep things sacred. They also, I don't know if you all remember years ago, I said, under the sink, there's some documents here that I told you about there. They're trying to get up under the sink to get to these documents. They found out sink is the symbol, was a symbol of, in the, in the astrological chart of the ancient Egyptians, you know, as the, uh, the era of Leo, the lion. That's what it's supposed to symbolize, and has something to do with the Mars project and the, what they refer to as the Adama project. 
is it that one atom, right? And so they are unmasking because we should never say they discovered anything. They don't discover, they uncover, they uncover things that we bury, right? So a new word, just a new one for you, right? <laughs> they don't discover anything. Anyway, they're starting to uncover a lot of the things that's going to confirm everything that you have put trust in me in is going to become confirmed for you in front of your own eyes. I'm not that you need it. I know some of y'all who follow me wherever I go, and I appreciate that. Right? But I'm just saying, it is good for those who come to your class with the skeptic, and I didn't say skeptic, I said skeptic. They come skipping around <laughs> looking for some type of evidence to what appears to be a science fiction movie when you start kicking the doctrine on them. I know deep in your heart, as much as you may have loved me and I you, when you had to go out and teach what I was teaching you, it was difficult. You say, oh, God, we're from another planet. And he had 19 spirits talking to him. And, and you know, never mind, we'll pick this up later. <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about something that appears more sensible. But the confirmation of who and what I am is confirming itself. And that's the best I can ask for from my brother, beyond the stars, that they give me just a little help. Because to come here, you know, to incarnate into this individual's body and try to convey this message to people that have been so television, so subliminally sedated. I mean, that they removed the essence of the nine from me and implanted the six, the lower side of the circle. It's such a hard job just to get you to not listen to the wrong music. You think you're saying something cool when you say, I like um, such and such a music. You don't understand nothing about music. You all are familiar with the 800 megahertz frequencies that are coming through the air now. You're familiar with that. You do? You do no, you're not. Okay, well, I thought I talked about it. But you know, each one of the human beings have in their brain, they're called magnetic particles. That's the best term that they can come up with them. One day, of course, I'll give you the real name, but let's let them play with it for a while. Magnetic particles. You have nine magnetic particles in your brain. All right? These magnetic particles can be affected by wavelengths, by frequencies, higher and lower. Now, the cellular phones are all set at 800 megahertz. And that brain of yours was 900 megahertz. You follow that? And it dropped down. When Honorable Agamemnon was speaking about the brain capacity of an amorite being less than that of a newbie, they were talking about that frequency response, your ability to respond to sound. All right? Of course, as you know, microwave also is moving on a sound. I, I can explain that a couple of years ago how microwaves cook food by sound, which means that they're able to cue in and deaden some of those magnetic particles. A lot of Nubians, instead of walking around in nine ether, nine ether is beyond the hair, in the nine ether state of activated nine magnetic particles, they have dropped down to four, three, two, and when you see a brother who's totally delirious, unable to coagulate words, he is about down to one, and some just go vegetate out. And what they have to do is they give you all types of drugs 
so that it drops your body down to what's referred to as an alpha wavelength, which is one step from dead. And that way you'll stay what they refer to as monotone. Monotheos. Monotone. Mono. They keep you dead. Right? And so they are now capable of sending these frequencies out. They are putting these stations along the road. I know as y'all cross the country, if you look up, you see this thing on a tall pole, and it's shaped like a tetrahedron, and it has little things on all three sides. Just look for them, and you'll see them. Well, right now the government has 24 different satellites aligned to the planet, around the planet. All right? And he has 24,000 of these receivers and senders situated across the country. He is able to tune in to your radio via frequency. It's called frequency response. This unit that I picked up, that I, that I bought here, and clicked on is a unit that's making it possible for everybody on Kadesh to turn to a certain station on the radio and they can hear me talking without any wire. Which means I'm sending controlled frequencies through the air. You follow that? Once I understand, once I understand the human and that his brain waves are between 900 and 700, you follow? Seven and a half ounce of brain, you know that? 900 and 700 on megahertz, I can send out certain types of frequencies. I can also lock these frequencies into music because when they started doing it, they did it in a place called uh, Wackenhut Naval Base. Do some investigation to find out that's where they started at. And the reason why they refer to it as the Harp Project, if you heard of that, out of Alaska, is because a harp, of course, is an instrument. And they know that by strumming a harp, you can get different response. Years ago, a lot of people used to come to me and ask me, how do they line their body up? And I would tell them, what they had to do is go to a keyboard and um, take middle C and find the two eighths of octave. Find the octave between middle C from one to the next. Of course, you know, it's eight notes. And I said, you go up and down the keyboard until you find that note that soothes your body. And then you'll know what key you're vibrating on. You know what vibration works with your body. The uh, Buddha or the Tibetans, they know about this. And so they have learned how to make their throat make three sounds simultaneously. And they chant like that. Constantly. And they got this going on right now while we're sitting here. Meanwhile, the practitioners of the faith start off. And they're on another frequency while the priests are pulling. The sound is a strange thing. If Deke is making a certain sound and I do another sound, I have step up or a whole step up and I do a, a let's say he does a one and I do 
a three, and he does a five, we create what's called harmony. You follow that? As you know, none of the groups are singing in harmony no more. They have this new kind of harmony called unitary in harmony. They think they're singing in harmony because two or three of them are singing the same note and it's partially unison in part harmony and none of the kids have it no more because they had to stop that because that vibrates three bones up here in the sinus that connect to the tetrahedron that the nose creates which opens the eye of the seer, the third eye. They know what frequencies we move on. They know our emotional state. They click them on and off at different times. For instance, Sunday morning, they have it on a very low frequency and people feel it's Sunday. Even when they're not Christian. They have it where, well, it's Sunday, it's kind of calm. When it comes to about 8 o'clock Sunday, they start to speed up the, 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 the oscillation Right, and I'm gonna get the oscillators in a minute. Speed up the oscillation valve inside the frequency to get the response and get higher pitch and people become more hyper. And suddenly people start speeding faster because they're trying to get them prepared for Monday. What has happened is they know that our body moves on a different frequency, respond differently than theirs does. Obviously, because most Caucasian singers sing in high natural voices. Most Nubian singers sing in low voices. Or they were forced to emulate the Amorite and use what's referred to as a falsetto or a placement, but not a natural high voice. Very few Nubian singers have a natural high voice, unless they go out their way to, like Seal or a couple of other who want to be Amorite, go out their way to sound like Amorite. They're already programmed, they've already got inside his head when he had that accident and alter the frequency. They can also alter your frequency response. Let me tell you what I mean by that so you can better understand. Um, years ago, I tried to teach this, but people wasn't as ready then as they are now. Simple, not uncomplicated. It's the period of time that music took to change. From the time you came in from Africa, when everything was based on drums and chants, right? And you had a kalimba, you follow that? And you had a marimba, and then as it moves into the Latino world, and you had the conga, and etc. etc. You know the, the instruments I'm talking about that apply to us as a people. All right. Now, eventually, our music went into blues. Of course, blues was a result of the fact that the Amorite gave us the blues. He took everything from us, beat us up, robbed us, raped us, castrated us, and we became quite depressed. As a result, our music, which is our emotion, became depressed. In due time, that blues changed into rock and roll for people who had cars <laughs> and R&B for those who didn't. The reason why they called it rock and roll is because little Caucasian kids with combs in their back pocket and grease in their hair and bucks on used to drive around with their car radios on and rock while they rolled. Most Nubians couldn't afford a car, so ours was based on Rhythm and blues. All that was done standing one place dancing. And the blues was mixed in depression, now with rhythm, and we called it up tempo. Beat up the tempo a little bit. And there we got rhythm and blues. All right, I'm right, of course, want to do rhythm and blues the same way a lot of Negroes want to try to do heavy metal and rock. It won't work. 
Hootie and the Blowfish, it won't work long. He was just put out there to destroy the fact that they had no Caucasians to come up with any good hits this year. And they needed a Negro who's a Caucasian to take all the awards. That's all. All right, so as that happened, he started squeezing us, namely the men, to get us to start singing in high voices come commence around the 60s. And that produced the Delphonics, Blue Magic, Stylistics, Black Ivory, Shy Light, Name some order. Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. Temptations had, but they had uh, Melbourne. <laughs> a lot of the hit records were based on, um, Aline is his real name. Eddie Kendrick was his um, other name, right? And he was a falsetto. This was done intentionally to get us to love high-pitched sounds. You follow? Because that's the only way we can get a hit record, is to sing the way they want. And so Blue Magic and everybody, we all screaming our voices out, trying to sound like white people, with white men sing naturally in a high voice. You know, with the stuff is in right? But um, they managed to control our minds then. While we were in these clubs, you know, clubs are used for one thing, gathering people or hitting people in the head with, and when you went to a club, both things would happen to you. They were gathering you and clubbing you in the head, right? <laughs> okay, so we were gathering these clubs, and this is before disco creeped in, and we started dancing. The best thing we could go back to was our Latin roots. You follow that? So we grabbed the Latin and we started going to the Palladium and dancing to the Allegro All-Stars and uh, to the Puente, Pacheco, and we was in it. And he saw that the Latin population was becoming one with the Negro population. And that really frightened him, that we realized that we're the same family. So he tried to split us, but as a split occurred, instead of us going totally away, we started hustling. You know what hustle means, right? Moving fast, jumping around that clown. So we started hustling. And then what he did is he staged an invasion of America by a group called Devo. And they came in with a sound, Trans Europe Express. Had no body language, the group stood there in plastic hats and black eyes and no motion, and just was saying over and over again, Trans Europe Express, that's all he said. Trans Europe and everybody looking at them, what they were doing is they were introducing the Moog synthesizer. One of the first, first synthesizers to come in and take out analog sound to bring in digital, to take out acoustic sound and bring in the synthetic instrument. By acoustic sound, I mean when you see a person pick up a guitar with natural strings, not even the metal string here, the catgut string, with a wood body, and they're playing that sound with no metal and no wires and no amplification. That's uh, acoustic. When you see a guy pick up a guitar that's all plastic and stick a wire, and go, that's the first stages of digital, though a lot of times the original amplifiers were still analog. Analog means work by tubes, Tesla's baby. All right, digital crossed out. All right, so they brought in this group called Devo, and they came in to remove the soul. We moved gradually out the hustle into what was called the bus stop. It was a form of destroying us. Amorites took the hustle because what happened is the gay population liked the hustle. 
because it had a lot of body flair to it. It was very much like bulging. Everything was spinning and throwing their hands up. So this was a, a way for a guy to get his sugar out of his shoes without the public right. He could consider himself a good hustler. You know, and then from that, he could move over and become a good disco dancer. So the guys that you knew that were very good dancers in the discotheque were usually in, had a little sugar in their shoes. And they had it working, they had it working together. They knew what they were doing. All right? And then after they did that, they started slowly and surely introducing their music to our children. Now, how they do that? They removed all of the real instruments. 99% of the music that you hear on the radio or record or tape or CD today is synthetic. The, the violins are fake. The bass is fake. The drums are fake. It's all in drum machines. No more human elements. Without the human element, there's really no emotion. And I don't care whether they tell you, you know, when I sample, I put my emotions in it. You put your emotions in the first three licks, and then when you push that continuation button and it goes on by itself, there's no more emotions regardless of what you say. You follow? This is all part of the plan for mind control. The heart project relates to the rainbow project. Because where there's sound, there's light. And when sound vibrates, different frequencies give off different colors of light. When you look up and see a rainbow, and you see the seven colors of the rainbow, if, you would, if they could tap a wire into the violet, you'd get a certain frequency that would give you a certain tone. They knew that. I'm saying that to say, they knew that they had to destroy the root of nine ether, not the hair. They had to get down beneath the hair. The hair grows out of the root. And that's connected to the protein in the body. That's the, the essence of you. They had to get down inside to destroy that before they could destroy the God in you and turn you from a man to a beast. What they have, in most cases, if you look at the media today, succeeded in doing. People have transformed into beasts. You are afraid when you walk through a mall. And you are the newbies. And you're afraid of your own people, yes, because that's how dangerous they appear to be. Don't tell me that every place you go, if you come across a bunch of newbies, you're never afraid. Even if you're afraid of what you might have to do to one of them niggas, it's still fair. Because you don't feel like having to hurt nobody, and you definitely don't want to get hurt. But they have done something. There's definitely a transformation that's taken place. So what happened is they eased into the recording studios and made something that was exclusively controlled by record companies a public fad. Get your own recording studio, own drum machine, own everything you put in your basement, and do your own mix in the sample to make your own record. They eliminated all of the acoustics, pianos. They even made what they referred to as an electric acoustic piano by Yamaha. And I said it as Yamaha and not Yamaha because the Arabs are also a part of it. And if you look at the Leviathan cover, you'll see I have Arabs on there too. Because they have been working with the devil way back. And I put it in the Leviathan book where you see each one of the Saudi Arabian kings sitting with a different president. This has not been one sympathizer. This goes all the way back to the Sultan himself, who you can find in the first page of the cover of Noble Dualit book, and made reference to several times in the nation of Islam teaching. They also, I might add, make the mistake 
for that new information, of giving Muhammad two identities in the nation of Islam people. One Muhammad in the message to the black man is referred to as a black Arab. They say he was of the black Arab nation, right in the message to the black man. Another set of teachings say, says that Muhammad was a Caucasian and that the wise men came together and told him how he could not convert his people and he died as a result of a broken heart. That is two different Muhammad. One is Muhammad the conqueror of Palestine, which is clear in the lesson when it says that the devil helped us take Palestine. The prophet Muhammad of 1400 years ago, the black Arab, had nothing to do with Palestine ever. He never had any dealings with Caucasians in his whole life. There's no place ever recorded of Rasulullah Muhammad, alayhi salatu wasalam, ever having anything to do with Caucasians. They mention him in the Quran under the term Rome, a surah named Rome. But that's it. They mention it in Surah Al-Taha as on the, uh, I think it's 2102, on the day the trumpet is blown, we shall gather together the guilty blue-eyed. Now, of course, the Arabs, in their latest translation out of Saudi Arabia, which I have, the latest Quran has blue-eyed. Before it was blair, blairy, zurkan means blue. Zurkan, azurak, everybody knows means blue. But that's the fact, we don't The point is that, to say that record straight, Donald Elijah Muhammad was not making uh, a mistake in reference to Muhammad being white in one place and black in the next. No, contrary. It was two different Muhammad. Muhammad the conqueror was the one that's talking about in the one that's 14 in the class. That's not Rasulullah they're talking about of taking devil's head. Prophet Muhammad never killed an Amorite in his life because he never came in contact with Amorites. However, Muhammad the conqueror called the great prophet Muhammad by the European he did kill Amorites, and he was brokenhearted insofar as Salahuddin, defender of the faith, went into the courts of King Richard, revived him, lived with him when he was wounded. Remember, he almost struck down with a lance, brought him back to life, and could not convert him, and wasn't able to convert the invading Christians who came to Jerusalem. The Muslims there could not convert those Christians because they did not realize they were dealing with the rose and the cross. A certain degree of Knights of Templars and Masonry who know more than Islam. And so he was brokenhearted for that. You got that part of the chapter? All right? So now, getting back to the situation at hand. So here in the world of North America, we were now in these clubs getting banged upside the head with this new music that had only a bottom and a top called disco. We broke away from it, and in came sympathetic instruments, and they rushed into the population, access to all types of machines, drum machines, keyboards, keyboards that play by themselves, pre-coded keyboards, just push the button and the music play, you know, everything to keep you on a synthetic wavelength. Why? To get back to the point, to try to damage the nine magnetic particles in the brain. You are King Kong in his story. What's the story? King Kong is a giant gorilla. 
with supernatural strength. He was a god while he was in Africa. The reason why they call him King Kong is because Congo is Central Africa. And he implied everybody in Africa, the Congo. The king is under the spell. In his homeland in Africa, he's worshipped by his own people. Every night, he would come to their town or their village, whether yet, and they had a big fence built up against him. Wouldn't he? And he would, they would have offerings of young virgins for him. And he would come to the town, and they would put the virgins up there, and that would appease him, and he would go about his business. And he lived like that. It was all right. Everybody was happy. Some Canaanites came along, stumbled into their village, and it came evening, and they had to start running and closing the gates, if you remember. Remember that? And they got scared. They said, what's going on? They said, close the gates. Well, Boomba, Kong was coming. They was going to have a Boomba, you know, stuff that they play. And in time, there were these loud boom, boom, steps. And they saw King Kong, and the first thing that came to their mind is how to get King Kong back to America on stage so they can make the money out of it. So what they did is they lured him with a white woman. Because he was used to that. So the Africans said, if we give him her, he might not want to come back at all. He the blame for So King Kong kidnaps the white woman runs off into the woods, thus starts the episode of the Hammerites going throughout Africa to get the king, the giant, and bring them to America. Eventually, they sedate King Kong while he is trying to have a sexual relationship with this white woman. And they inject him, sedate him, tie him down, put him on a ship, and Bail him to the passage over to America. When he gets to America, they present him before the public, chained down, and all these Amorites are in a party having a good time. That's you. Chained down mentally while the Amorites have a good time. He'll let you in the party, but you're going to be the clown, nigga. So moving on, it was about the music that won the case. All right, let's get back to where we were So what they did is they removed those instruments that vibrate without chemistry. And now, every Negro got some synthetic instrument in his basement. He's pushing little Casios and Panasonics and all fake. All removing the essence. Back to the point. The Rainbow Project, which is sending out these wavelengths that is called mind control, started back there with who? Rainbow Project. Who's Rainbow? Phoenix Rainbow. Phoenix Rainbow. Now, Phoenix Rainbow. Just who's a part of what? Phoenix. Rainbow. Bellic. Remember? Time Machine, Philadelphia Experiment? Well, the Philadelphia Experiment was initially intended for the sole purpose of creating invisibility for radar, which they already had called the stuff. You understand? When they got into it, the mathematicians who got involved in it found out that also they can interfere with the brain because of what they refer to as zero time reference. That if all five or six of y'all 
went through a time loop here. When you came back, Abdul Bayt would be affected one way, you'd be affected another, she another, she another, and him another. They found that out. They realized that time has something to do with now. That time in the future has already happened, and time in the past is still happening. I think I told you all about that years ago. I said, if a person's adrenaline is a high point when they die, it will stamp in now. And they will reiterate that incident. And this is why people sometimes think they're driving along and they see a ghost run across the road. And they've calibrated that if they come back to that same spot every year, or sometimes every 10 years, depending on how we're aligned, that that same thing will happen over and over again. A lot of hauntings, as they call them, they make clear that this is a haunted house. What happens? A woman walks along that staircase every night at 12 o'clock on the dock. And so people come in, they set up monitors, and lo and behold, it's a disembodied soul, an exoplasm, an ethereal, an essence that is trapped in now. They can't get out of now. Now keeps happening over and over. The event was so traumatizing that they can't get out of it. It's happening all the time. It's called lost souls, trapped souls, trapped in limbo. They've got terms for days about it. It happens already in your mind if you don't think it's possible. And I'll tell you when it has happened. There are incidents in your life where, regardless of what you're doing, you'll flash back to a certain corner where events took place. If you had friends or somebody hung out on one spot and it could have been 20, 30 years ago, you can flash back to that. Or you can flash back to an incident in a concert where you were having a good time. Or you can flash back to falling off a bike or whatever. But you have these things that have, are called now already taking place in your mind and you are away from it sometimes 10, 15, and 20 years. Everybody here has had one of those events stamped in their mind. And that event reoccurs periodically. But what keeps you from being trapped in the now of that event is that the body is dying forwardly. Because when you were born, you started dying. You hear me? And you were dying because your cells were dying. You must expire. That's why they call it expiring. Expiration. You must expire before you can become totally ethereal again. But the events that take place while you are expiring, they stamp themselves in now. Like, go back to not the Savior's Day, but the last Savior's Day. And remember an event. And when you remember the event, you are reliving right now. So now is, now is the all. The all is not moving forward with you. And the all is not left in the past with you. Everything that takes place has a purpose or it won't. Light, for instance, 
Light was a necessity to exist within a certain period of time in the all. Light didn't begin with the all, because if light began with the all, then the all would be light. God, Allah, Om, Theos, Hashem, Adonai, Yahweh, Elohim, all of them are events in the all appropriated for specific time zones. When they needed to be. That is why I said two years ago, before you believed in Allah, He didn't exist. Before you knew of Allah, He didn't exist. Because all that really exists to you is you right now. And when you're talking to a Negro, and they're talking about what's going to happen, you tell them that's not important. What's important, what's important, what's moving on, is right now. And how much time I waste talking to you and what I benefit or lose while talking to you. Because whenever you come in contact with any two people, I mean, or any two people come in contact with each other, one is gaining and one is losing. If you give something to somebody, I don't care what they ask you, they're still just another human being, you've lost. If they give something to you, you've gained. How do you utilize now? If you come out here and you talk to me, I give you something that you take with you forever. It's like saying, see that puddle over there? Don't fall. So now when you leave me, and as you encounter people in each event of now in your life, you come to find out things I say become important at the moment. Meaning, someone starts a conversation, and you say, that's interesting. Pop was just talking about that. Bam, you're right on. Because I need that now. <laughs> they want to alter our now because we have a new zero time reference we are altering time for all intents and purposes it all should be over but it has just begun all of my beloved brothers who preceded me, all of them, the messenger, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, the prophet, Noble Juali, the seer, Marcus Garvey, all of them were leading up to now, where we can start time from here. Yes, that's it. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, when you say E1, E2, and I know you like that subject because I watch your classes. <laughs> it's pretty good. I watch it. It's pretty good. Y'all guys are doing pretty good out there. Thank you. Um, when you say E1 and E2 equals the sun, like basically all you're saying is hydrogen and helium. Right? H1 is really hydrogen. On the other side of it, there has to be an electric light for the 
other son, Utu, the etheric son. You have the manifestation of a son on this side, and then you have a manifestation of an etheric son on the other side in energy life. Let me show you what happens with that. In the um, Islamic world, touching on the base, you have what's called the star and crescent. You follow that? And they say that it's a symbol of the universe. The light symbol is this and it's this and it's this. It's the illusion. It's the lie. It's the confusion symbol. The reason why I say that, I'm going back to the sun. That's where I'm going there. Is because when you see a crescent, you see that? And you put a star right here, or right here from your side. You see that in the, in the, in the present? I ask you, is that possible? Think before you answer, please. Don't be no, don't be no, don't, don't want to do it. You know what I mean? Want to know. Is it possible for the star to sit in a crescent? Why not? That's right. Because the crescent is a moon. And the whole moon is really there. You're just seeing a portion block. And stars are further away from us than the moon. So no star could get on this side of the moon without blocking it out. It's a symbol of deception. You follow? And identifies with the triple doctrine on the other side of the ether. That there is a recognition of other suns. Now, on this side of the ether, you have H1 hydrogen, right? Again, 554 million tons of hydrogen is changed into 550 million tons of helium each second on the sun. That means hydrogen combined to make helium 2 He. And as helium burns, it gives off more hydrogen. Someone had to make that sun. Someone had to create that formula because it could never reach the helium without some outside force bringing them together to start this tumbling process. So just like that sun on this side gives light, warmth on the physical plane, on the other side, ether one and ether two produces the light of the sun on the spiritual side. And the process is ether one changes into ether two, which gives off bad information that is then rejuvenated into good information and gives off pure light. Let me tell you what I mean by that. When the man comes along that can take bad information and make it good information, he is the son of righteousness. When the man comes along that can take the teachings of the nation of Islam, which has been corrupted information, and take that corrupted information and make it good information and healthy information for the people, that's the son of righteousness. When that man comes along that can take that Quran that has been tampered with and write the wrong in it, that's the son of righteousness. The same applies to the Torah. When a man comes along to can take the teachings of the messenger or the prophet, Global Jolly, and change those bad teachings into good teachings for you, that's the son of righteousness. But the man can take dead soil and the sun can come out and grow fresh vegetables in it. When I can come here 
and take this earth, you people, and rejuvenate life in you and grow in you. I'm inside you like a plant and I'm blossoming in your brain. I'm turning you into pure light without you even realizing it. When that person comes, that person is called the son of righteousness. But the sad part about it, he can only come at the end, right before the great and dreadful day. Presence represents the great and dreadful day. When the messenger of our Elijah Muhammad finished his mission, he had succeeded in turning the hearts of the father toward their son. But the devil stepped in and disrupted. And that's why I was necessary. I was off in my cradle. In Ansar. I was not involved in what they were doing. But when they corrupted what he was doing for them, then it was necessary for them to take and bring the Yahweh or the Lord into existence. That I may, as the Son of Righteousness, turn all of this bad to good. You were falling off the cliff and you had to be caught. Meaning, you were fed up. You were being confused. You were being lied to. You were following along and you were seeing corruption in the mob. You were seeing corruption in the synagogues. You were seeing corruption in the churches. They did not send a preacher. They did not send a religious man. I've been telling people for years, stop trying to judge me as a religious man so you can find fault in my character. I'm not a religious man. I am a teacher. Religious people don't work well with you. You need a teacher, someone that will allow you to badger them just to give you the truth. Someone that will allow you to exercise all your egos at them just to give you the truth. You understand? So I incarnate here, so I can stand before you, and in all that you have been given, in all that you have been taught, in all that you read, in all that you think you know, when you come before me, you have to humble yourself. Because so of how far the ladder you think you are, you know I can humble you. And it is better to have one man humble you and you rule all other men than to argue with me and be ruled by all other men. You follow me? It's better to stand before me as a father and let me chastise you and get you right and you look good in the eyes of everybody else than standing out there looking like a fool. Because when you see a brother on the street now in a bow tie, you follow? You be saying, he just don't know. He just don't know. When you see a follower of Yahweh in Yahweh, you say, he just don't know. They have no idea. The biggest conversation y'all have in your travel to the day, people have no idea this is going on. Damn, look at these people. They don't even know this world is coming down. They don't even know if are here. They don't know if independence, the movie Independence is, is them telling them something. You know it, though. And that is the blessing. Many are called. And I stood up in 1970 and I yelled and I called and I said, Many are called, but few are chosen. When they get the sickness, all of them left. Some of them are back in the street niggas. Some of them think, oh, he's so slick. 
He's this. He's that. No. I'm the man that's consistent in facts. Regardless of what you see me as, because you have judged me by religious eyes and said he's not a holy man. Heard he does this. He sings music. I can do that. I can do all of that. I'm not your preacher. I ain't your imam. I told him in Brooklyn, don't call me imam. I'm not no imam. Okay, imam. I'm not a religious person. I am simply a teacher. A man coming to right the wrong. And my very presence and what I stand for and what I teach you is doing the job. Again, nobody can. None of y'all can do that. And all those fools that left here, and all those that were fools that left here, all they can talk about is the teaching, not the teaching. They can talk about me and how much they don't like me and how I didn't do this and how I didn't do that, but one thing I always did was my job. Regardless of whether I neglected beauty, a book was still coming out for the whole of our people. You follow me? I have many people saying, you know, brother so-and-so misses you. I said, I don't remember who it is. He ceased to exist in my world because I have a job to do that's bigger than you. They don't understand a person with a mission. They don't understand your insanity about their mission. They want you to be a person. And I always tell them, if I was a person, I wouldn't be the person I am. <laughs> and you probably wouldn't want to talk to me. It's the person I am that makes you want to talk to me. And in being that person, I don't have time for you unless you are in my world. Unless you want to make this happen. Unless you want to help make this happen. Other than that, I don't have no time for you. And I'll give you enough time for you to see that I'm not there. I'm not playing. Oh, he's just this. You don't know me. I have died for you people thousands of times. My life has been on the line for you people thousands of times. You understand? I am the only one who would get up. Nobody else got up and talked about the world. You know, you saw it. And put my tooth in hand. And they said, I'm surprised they didn't kill him. You don't think I knew that? But guess what? My responsibility. Man, you translate your own Quran, man. I have to kill you. Guess what? I got a job to do. But then that's what's important to me. And the moment your life is less important to you than your job, you're going to see that everything in the universe works for you. As long as you got yourself out front, you want to party and have a good time and laugh and joke all the time, remember, you're going to be a failure. And you start doing for others more than you do for yourself, and you're going to succeed. You start putting yourself in front of everything. Put other people out. Give to other people. You follow what I'm saying? And you're going to find that that power of love, that's the thing that controls me. People don't think because they don't know me. I don't express my love by, by, by sitting on my lap and patting. I express my love by making sure that you have a place to sit. Your father, the deal is I'm going to tell you the truth 
regardless of how bitter it is to others. I don't care how mad the Muslims get, defend it. Defend it with truth, not with a weapon. Defend it with truth. If everything I'm saying about Farad is not true, then you produce the facts. You follow what I'm saying? If what I'm saying about Islam is not true, then produce a book and prove it. I put a book out 10 years ago, 360 questions asked the Muslim, they ain't answered it yet. All they're still trying to push is the Bilal filler book. What does it deal with? Me, the teacher. That's because they think I am like their minister, the religious guy. I'm not. I'm a person. Play Monopoly with me and I'll cheat if I can win. Just for the fun of it. And that's my way of telling you, don't make me the preacher. We play baseball, I cheated. Say he's cheating. Pops is cheating. And he was having fun. The fool was the one saying, Pops is cheating. That fool will later go off and slander. I watch the people on the internet ignore him. They can't ignore me. They're too interested in what I have to say on the internet. The room captain, whoever says ignore him, the people are still asking me questions. Well, you see, they can't. I know that. You understand what I'm saying? I know they can't ignore me. They can't help. They're waiting for Sunday. They're waiting for me. Our room is so full that people are mad at us. Who is this Malachi person? The only thing is wrong is you people not coming and saying, that's God, and get them real mad to keep the conversation going. You instead of you so busy not saying, that's God right there. You know God is right there talking to you. Anything you want to know, he ain't God. Yes, he is God. He ain't God. How can a 5% say I'm not God and believe some wino in Harlem became God? <laughs> Bonafide wino, ex-father of Morris Science Temple, which is obvious by the symbol on the, of the 5%, the symbol of the 5% is a number of a circle, a seven, and a star and a crescent with NATO symbol behind it. That, that eight-pointed star is NATO symbol. And the circle and the seven is Noble Juali. Don't tell me Clarence was in the nation of Islam and never heard about Noble Juali. I'll call you a liar. 5% symbol is a Morris science symbol. 5% brag that they were sitting in top full of nuts when he said, I met the father and we was drinking a cup of coffee. God, Allah, in person is drinking a cup of caffeine. But I can't be God. But a wino can be God. A half white man, half white and half black, could be God, who ate pork, by the way. But the law, they tell you, ate pork and then told him, don't eat this. He could be God, or Allah, and I can't be God. Yeah, yeah. You got some yuppie on the cross with a 1960 hippie hairstyle called Jesus. He could be God and I can't be God. Who y'all fooling, man? And only one of all those gods that show and prove their God by their works is me. Ain't nobody got all the scriptures. I ain't met a teacher yet. Ask your teacher, why hasn't he translated the Quran for you himself, his way to support what he teaches? Even if they say he translated the Quran to support his teachers, say then why didn't your teacher support his teaching with his Quran? 
And why are you talking to white women? Now you ask the Hebrew, why didn't Yahweh then Yahweh translate the Torah instead of putting up some old phony book that looked like his own translation, some drawn sketches, and call it their Bible from the King James Version? And then turn to the Hebrew Israelites and say, why haven't Ben Ami Kata? And then turn to the Israelite church and ask, why haven't Ermi? And keep on turning around and say, how come none of your Christian preachers ever took the time to translate the scripture so we could see what it says? Why that man? Where do you get the time to do all of this? Meanwhile, writing a hundred books a year, covering every subject that they ask. I write books based on what people ask you. As I listen, oh, you want to know about that? I'll tell you more than you want to know. I had one person say to me, how come I didn't go to a debate with Siraj Wahad? Do you know what, what happened to Siraj if you mentioned a debate with Imam Ethan? You make that man nervous and sick. He started getting sick. <laughs> Ahmed Didat then died, and that was their last hope for, for lying and messing stuff up. They cannot deal with us. <laughs> hey, a joke. It says, not to put it in our language, right? <laughs> it says that there's a Nawapian who's us, and a Christian who's them camping together in the woods. And a bear comes. Correct? And as they get to running from the bear, the bear takes chase. And they're running. And they're running. And the Nawapian looks over to the Christian and says, what you going to do now? He says, I'm going to pray. You know what I'm saying? He says, well, what you going to do? You know? Because that bear is catching up. With us. You follow? And Wapin says, I don't have but one thing to worry about. The Christian says, What? Your religion? He said, No. Beating you in running. <laughs> you understand what I mean? That's the real deal. Right, you keep praying and I'll keep running. Your race is against the bear. My race is against you. <laughs> you you try to outrun him. I'm just going to outrun you. And we'll see. <laughs> so, 